If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. Our girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So Welcome I'm to The Winner's Edit, a tough-as-nails storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are here to discuss episode 8 of season 3 of Tough as Nails, Battle Lines. It's all resurfacing a parking lot themed. Did you love it? Did you hate it? There was, like, literal gridlock. Yeah, I thought this was one of the more <laughs> inventive puzzles I've ever seen. I think that other reality shows like Survivor could learn a lot <laughs> from... <laughs> The masterpiece that was uh, the first 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> Honestly, though. Okay, so this is this is Survivor. This is a very important episode. Episode 10, Baby with a Machine Gun. But, so, I did watch Tough as Nails afterward. I was at my parents for Thanksgiving. And it started out literally just resurfacing a parking lot. And I was like, okay, Tough as Nails. you really gone there. But then they did do literal, like, the gridlock puzzle. Like, the slide puzzle you see in Survivor with literal cars. And I was like, I'm super into this and tough as nails just keeps going up the ranks i love it but but no we need to discuss this episode because um this is the week we did this bit after (laughs) uh you know like there's episode three that was like unwatchable and like there's been all these episodes where like dumb stuff happens and like no one likes it and this is the week that everybody's like best survivor episode ever maybe (laughs) like top 10 i'm seeing a lot of that traction and we're like they could have learned from this cool gridlock puzzle and tough as nails okay but the challenges were not great in this episode oh they were bad yeah like they the editing team blitzed through that reward challenge (laughs) they were like we have nothing good here to show yeah yeah Um, they and like I, i don't know i do feel like part of the issue is like Okay, the selection in a reward challenge is fun, right? Like, uh, it, it's fun to know who's going to pick who, and there's stakes, and obviously there's, like, the classic of, like, oh, you got to make sure you pick the right people, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's half the people, right? Like, Ricard's out here picking, like, three times. Like, it's just not, I don't know. I think that's the interesting number to do it, though, because then you split it in half, and it's like, yeah. oh, can this half get together? Because they picked, like, their alliance, which Ricard did a good job not doing that this time. So it yep. didn't leave room for any of that. But yeah, I thought the actual challenge was literally so bland. Like it wasn't even interesting, like cli- like untangle your rope stuff. Yeah, like this, yeah. like honestly, like, and we'll get there. But I think in general, this was an episode that I really liked. I was definitely not as high on it as everybody else. Um, it was kind of nice seeing like, like, I don't know, like I, I, I thought it was kind of cool, like the past great puzzle performances this season, we've seen somebody kind of just know the puzzle already. And at least there was no mention of that. I don't Mm -hmm. know if Ricard did know it beforehand or not, but you know, it it was kind of cool to see theoretically someone just be really good at puzzles do well. Like he kind of came from behind, but they didn't care about that at all. Like in a season where we have had like some good narrative thrusts and stuff like that through these challenges, like the confessionals in them where they were throwing, they, yeah, like, like you said, they just were like, we're on a deadline. 
line. Like, we got to get out of here in 15 <laughs> minutes. Get the footage on there. We got to go, Joe. Mm-hmm. Which good on them for knowing when to, like, use their challenges for narrative effect and when to just, like, it's part and parcel. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure some some uh, part of the audience, and, like, honestly, maybe if they weren't there ever, like, if challenges just stopped, maybe even, uh, you know, the super fans of the world who are, like, we, we fast forward sort of through the challenges would realize that maybe the pacing completely breaks or something like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's certainly possible. Uh, but, yeah, like, other than that, I think this was a pretty fun episode. With yeah. Two pretty mediocre challenges in there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, some some big stuff, big character moments, big relationship moments. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, big implications. <laughs> big implications, yeah. No, I think this is a huge episode for looking at the future, the past, everything, right? Um... Where, obviously, we see the end of, in my opinion, one of the most captivating Survivor duos in history. Like, I think that now seeing sort of how the story ends, how it unfolds, I think tracking the story of Ricard and Shan is really good. Like, you could make a, like, a five to ten minute really good Pixar short about that journey, right? And it's one of those things that wouldn't even work necessarily scripted and that's actually a lot of this episode, honestly. Right afterwards, I was telling even my non-Survivor friends to maybe give this episode a shot. Not even... I'm not on the bandwagon of this is an all-time great, but this was an all-time great exploration of what makes Survivor great, I think. Like... This is what we're always talking about with you couldn't write something this captivating. If you try to write that scene between Deshaun and Shan, I think it would come off not like not with the gravitas and power behind it. As you actually see these two people weigh whether it means means more to try to win or to try to be a positive role model. And like I, I think that this is one of the best explorations of that concept I've ever seen in any any media. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I kind of agree with your point that you could show this to someone and maybe get them interested because I think there's a lot of good storytelling in terms of something happens and then something happens because of that, and it's easy to see the here to here to here to here, which is a problem with modern survivors sometimes is that they jump. There's too much going on. They jump. They have to account for things changing at a live tribal. This one made a lot of sense. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, 100%, right? Like, nobody's favorite episode of Survivors where some, like, chaotic, like, someone pulled out, uh, like, had a live tribal and then whispered and then, like... It, it just doesn't work. None of those episodes are good because they can't track things, right? Mm-hmm. All like I feel like most people's favorite episodes are things like uh, the Great Lie in Pearl Islands, or I forget the title of the episode uh, where Poverty plays the two idols and here's her villains. Like those are episodes are great because it's centered around it's almost like a heist movie, right? It's uh, there's a plan set in motion. You see how it comes together. You see the cause and effect, and you see the in this case the emotional stakes behind it. Um, I had multiple people who varying degrees of like survivor super fandom, but all, you know, fans of the show be like, wow, like we've had a lot of explorations of, you know, what it means to have to have to kind of battle between identity and, and doing well for yourself in the past. And they were like, wow, like it's never, never hit home so much for, for me. And I, honestly, that my experience there tracked as well. Like this was an episode that afterwards, even I was emotional. Like I was getting goosebumps in the moment. And some of those scenes between Liana and Shan and Deshaun and Shan. And uh, I mean, it's it's something that like is so easily, like you could show somebody this scene and, and they just get it. Like, like maybe, maybe even just about life, about 
not Survivor, just about how how different people interact in the world and how their journeys are different. I, I think those scenes encapsulate that idea. And I think that's the real um, part of this episode that, uh, you know, elevates it pretty high i think in terms of i think definitely the best episode of the season uh and certainly one of the best modern survivor episodes at the very least mm-hmm. i mean i think i'd have to go back and revisit episode four i might like that more for what it gave us but yeah this was interesting yeah. i do think they did a lot of work with the ricard and shan relationship that they could have spread out throughout the season more True. in this episode and I mean, it was good work. It was nice to see, but yeah, it felt bad, especially looking at it from a winner's edit perspective, like seeing all of this stuff packed into one episode. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two ways to view that, right? In some ways, I think the pre-merge does an okay job of showing their rocky relationship, but maybe not enough of their friendship, right? I think that maybe could have been expanded on more. I think that you did see a, a pretty good exploration of these two people who clearly have fondness and appreciation for each other but mm. can't quite get on the same page with papaya gate uh with that with the extra vote kerfuffle and uh when she's asking to get for him to give it to him and there's all that kind of rockiness and people were like oh my god do they hate each other but like i think an informed audience member realized no they actually really like each other that's why they're being so so real like when you really love somebody that's when you're able to be you know du- genuine and direct uh, but yeah, I agree in terms of like seeing them like giggle and laugh with each other. We didn't get that before this week, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that scene at the, what, Survivor Sanctuary? Survivor, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Survivor Sanctuary, that mysterious locale that is apparently so esteemed, yet I I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I, I feel like, and Survivor's usually pretty good at this, and I think they kind of dropped the ball. Of, like, they didn't show a single location shot, a wide shot, anything. Like, mm-hmm. we have no idea what this place looked like. Maybe it was just really dark. That was kind of the vibe I got, because they could only get these, like, pretty close-up, seem, seemingly lit-by-fire shots. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they weren't willing to pull out the... the. As we've pointed out, there's clearly something weird going on with their night vision equipment, right? Like, they're not using it almost ever yeah so i don't maybe 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 there is just something going on there um but yeah like i feel like we had no idea of where they were it just looked like they were they like you could have assumed they were in a closet you know it was like yeah it almost looked like they were like at edge of extinction from past seasons but like it had been refitted to be a little nicer with a blanket yeah maybe maybe that actually is where they were (laughs) because you're right like flashback to like ream the end of that first episode of edge of extinction uh when it's just like oh my god she's getting sent to like the darkness you know like it's just like (laughs) it actually looked like quite horrifying in that episode that you're right that's where like it looked like that's where they were and like it definitely didn't get like that looked scarier to me than it did uh survivor sanctuary fun reward (laughs) time you know i I feel like they dropped the ball a little bit there yeah but anyway you were saying you liked the scene at the survivor sanctuary Yeah. yeah other than the cinematography i thought it was really great like seeing mostly it was the content right like Mm-hmm. Obviously, the fact that Shan leaves in the same episode where she accidentally hums the song is a level of, like, amazingness that almost feels scripted. Like, it, yeah. it's one of those, like, life is, life is you know, fabricated by somebody um, situations. It, it's just so good and explains why they use the song, everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's Heather who's just like, what you humming? <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought like that whole thing was really fun, and I, 
I guess let's break down this part. So to me, I think maybe the most um, like intellectually interesting or like strategically interesting part of this is we see this episode basically be, um, I think it's Shan at one point says, this is going to, this tonight's going to decide whether, um, you know, we're, we're, we can trust each other or not and what trust looks like, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that we saw kind of, um, if you were to boil this episode down into a narrative thread, it's almost like, what does trust mean? Because Ricard trusts that Shan's not going to vote him out. Uh, Ricard understands that Shan has distrust for Deshaun and Danny to some degree, and that she trusts him more, but wants him out, and that Liana really trusts Shan, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we see all these different elements of it. And what I think is very interesting is that our, our protagonist or, or, or audience cipher for this episode is Ricard, and he has a clearly a very interesting relationship with what trust means and that he understands that Shan won't vote him out, but that she has all the tools to do it next time. And even though she she doesn't want him out and she had to break to, uh, you know, she broke down confessing it. Um, it, it obviously showed that he could get information from her. He That also is a confession that one day she won't be able to save him anymore. And that means that he must make a move. And I thought that was great and why, I don't know, I guess, what, what were your thoughts there on that kind of exploration of that concept, Joe? I think I agree. I think up until now I haven't seen it as deeply, but I'm thinking back to during that confession to Ricard and Ricard sort of dumbfounded like why why would you tell me this and Shan's like not yet which I think in the moment I took as very like oh that's so touching like Shan's not ready to let go but to Ricard that not yet sounds like oh it's not the time but it's coming so Mm -hmm. I need to strike first before it does come because it will certainly happen to me while I may never have this opportunity again yeah I thought that was such a such a good scene where I think like we actually see it right right before right we see Liana have a similar conversation with Shan and it goes like Hey, Shan's like, what do you want to do? Do you trust? Like, she's fishing a little bit, right? Liana's kind of fishing a little bit for information from Shan. Gets the answer she needs, breaks down, and is like, you know what? I'm cutting the affront. I am going to be genuine with you. I'm going to be authentic with you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads to them being even tighter. Uh, Liana says, I will go to the final two and know I'm losing to Shan effectively, right? Mm-hmm. We see that exact conversation happen and work from Liana to Shan. Right afterwards, we see Shan go to Ricard and let him know about this. And his reaction is, why would you tell me this? Like, I don't, are, are you sure? Like, what's going on here? And the interesting thing there is it's just like, okay, so if you're then going to pitch him, let's vote, you know, Erica out or something. That's a confession that his his days are numbered, right? It's a confession that he's not actually needed for her. She just has an emotional bond. And Ricard realizes that that emotional bond isn't enough for Shan. It's enough for Liana. It's not enough for Shan. And I thought that was a beautiful kind of triangle of uh, of, of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ricard's so good. Like, such a good TV character. Like, this mm-hmm. was exceptional. Um, I really wish I was on the bandwagon of the people who are, are you know, having a recardissance out there. Yeah. I'm I'm hopeful for them. Like, well, am I though? Like, it's a person I want to see win. It's an edit 
that I think would be disgraceful. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a fantastic way to put it because I totally agree. It's like if this, if like an all-time great Survivor character one, and this is the treatment he gets, like what mm. what incarnation is going on? But yeah, no, like really sad to see. And obviously, we see um, Shan get the like um, what Stephanie Johnson funeral style episode, right? Like I, I bought a new sound bar on hashtag Black Friday uh, sales, but. Um, and so I had like awesome surround sound going on. And so like the music was so much more noticeable probably, but I could tell that they put so much more attention on the music this week. I think that's another thing you saw just on Reddit at large, right? In the broader survivor discussion of holy cow, did Shan get like, like a full symphony going on on the way out and good on them for recognizing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, my sound has not been improved by any, uh, purchases this weekend, but yeah, I definitely noticed it too. There was all this like hero music and just a dramatic heroic edge to the tribal council. Like it, it kind of felt weird because you've seen other big characters go like we've seen Evie go maybe not the same level but Evie go and like they didn't get the same sort of heroic swelling of music that Shan did like this episode wanted to make it very clear that Shan was the big character you thought she was and her leaving is big for this season yes like it's the turning point right it's mm-hmm. it's the the event it's I feel like this is the climax uh, very much in the way that in honestly, I think that the only comparison I could really think of was like in Millennials for Gen X when David leaves. It's a very similar treatment. Obviously, that's a fourth though. Like that's in the finale, mm-hmm. right before you get into yeah. the end. Um, you get like this beautiful music swelling up, and then he says like Vanaka or something, and it, like. Like it, yeah, like it's like this swan song. It's kind of rare that we get this, I think, this early, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Shan went to a million tribals, so it's we had a longer journey with her than most eighth placers, but at the end of the day, that's where she placed. She didn't place in this, um, in like the winning zone, you know, it wasn't in the end zone, it was pretty yeah. far away, which is, I think, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, we've seen a bit of it with Christian, but like, even so, that was one episode before the finale and i don't recall him getting this sort of heroic treatment that shan did i mean it might have happened that's seasons ago now check it out on netflix (laughs) check it out on netflix uh from what i remember that his episode was actually kind of quiet yeah uh when he left but i think that was like more of an intentional choice but i think he did get like a heroic leaving but that episode it wasn't like a like, this was a great episode in general for Shan, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, if you were a Shan believer, I bet, like, what, like, 40 minutes in this episode, you're like, she's winning somehow. I don't know how, but maybe by then it's too obvious she's going, but I don't Um Yeah, it was very much like, oh gosh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Like, there are episodes where people are either leaving or they're, like, your top contender. Like, Evie yes. had that a few times, uh, or I guess once, and then they left. But then it happened with Shan, too, where it was like this yeah. episode either cements Shan as number one for like the rest of the season which kind of thought that was where it was going anyway but here we are um or she's going and then she went and yeah yeah, yeah they're either winning the jackpot or like going broke you know what i mean it's like mm. i think that's a, that's like a classic classic survivor uh even just like 
honestly any reality TV. I think that might be the one unifying trend among all reality TV shows is the like, here's uh, my entire backstory and why I'm the way I am and I'm gone, you know, like, uh, but yeah, like or super like, great episode overall. Oh yeah, Joe, go. Yeah, when they're in as much danger as they can possibly be, it's like your biggest chance for your biggest peak or valley. So you want to lean into it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just the end of their story. So yeah. And was a good one to do it right it was a tie and like i kind of really liked the choice where i feel like in the past they put more stakes on revotes you know what i mean like it's more like who's gonna get voted out you know what i mean like there's there's more tension building Mm -hmm. like i feel like they had the tie and it was just like jeff's already back with the votes like like they made that very slick Mm -hmm. because there was no tension right you knew shan was gone and they they knew that you knew shan was gone yeah they knew that the you knew that the plan that had been spelled out had worked Mm -hmm. therefore yeah so i do want to touch on uh the episode title which again i I think most of our classic episodes usually have like a pretty good episode title joe i think this episode title is actively bad um i thought it was not delivered great and then also didn't make sense with what they were describing like eric is saying that shan i think i guess is like a baby with a machine gun i feel like the metaphor just didn't work for me joe yeah i i think i heard it and i was like oh there's the episode title the first watch and then the second one came around i was like yeah this doesn't work like she may have the machine gun and her idols and stuff but shan's not like a baby like shan's capable right like (laughs) Like, yeah like you know i mean i would picture a baby with the machine gun to be like um what's a good example like like if you gave heather the idol yeah or i mean i'm almost thinking like in those in these rounds where you know someone like philip shepherd's the swing vote or something you know what i mean where it's yeah you're giving all like i feel like you get that sometimes I, I, abby maria i think would be a good example of uh, you know <laughs> at times a, a baby with a machine gun in cambodia you know when she's debating between whether going uh like at that varner tribal right like that's a big one where it's like there's a lot of power on abby maria's shoulders and it's how she's going to use it and you have no real way to predict it um like the pgs of the world and stuff like that have to have to go down there um that to me is a baby with a machine gun not like your most prominent threat in the game who's been presented very strong and capable you know like Mm -hmm. didn't really work for me there but uh yeah yeah well <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> uh and, and i think the only other thing i really want to touch on is i thought that i i read a couple really interesting kind of like theories here on on, on the old survivor edgic page this week i think one of them that was really interesting was hipster doofus uh friend of the show uh posted kind of an idea that i think is kind of baked into how i view the show anyway but um is i think like a good exploration of the the threads called um lessons to learn premiere episode and the the basic conceit of it is that in general the winner is often not shown that strong in episode one they show that they are going to try hard or they're going to grow or they're going to keep their profile down for example tony got uh talks about um you know, wanting to pull his hands down so he can sucker punch somebody and that sort of thing. Uh, and then Tommy just talks about how uh, he's going to apply being a teacher to Survivor or Michelle with the classic bartending. Like, you know, I'm not, being a bartender has taught me how to navigate parasocial relationships or whatever. Um, 
And where oftentimes I think, you know, the edgy community gets tripped up on these people who are built up very strong early on. That's like even our strong winners often are not presented that strong episode one. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that general theory in regards to the premiere episode. It's it's always like for the seasons we've covered, except maybe Wendell. Wendell had a really strong premiere, but I think still it wasn't like it was one of those where it wasn't over the top strategic. It was like you he had it relate to his um like construction mm-hmm. sensibilities. Um so yeah, see I think generally because I remember in 39, like I didn't have Tommy that high because it was this quieter episode and then the thing is where i think hipster doofus wants to apply it to this season what when i think i did the same thing with shan i think shan was in a peculiar place on ua in that premiere it was still a strong thing and it made it on my contenders list but she was not my top contender like i think so so yeah i see the theory but i know it's interesting to bring it up now when for me at least it doesn't apply to this season yeah i I think that's probably i think that's fair like i I don't think that Shan is a bad example of that necessarily because she's clearly presented as strong. She's mm-hmm. not presented as necessarily in control. Like it's a very balanced edit. It's very uh, in episode one. It's I am in the middle. I'm on the bottom. I'm on the top. That's one of her confessionals, right? Like she and she kind of goes through how in different ways she's all these things and. It's more about, that episode is actually more about her gaining control, you know, it's, uh, so I guess to some degree, I I think it kind of counts, but yeah, like, I I think in general, Survivor doesn't want the winner to be the front runner out of the gate, right? Like, uh, Nick is presented very weak in episode one, Wendell is like, you're right, the one exception, and... I mean, no offense to Wendell, but I think a big part of his story in general was trying to justify his win. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were really, I think, a concerted effort to make him more credible from the start. And because obviously that season ends in a tie, um, mm-hmm. kind of have to have a proof in the pudding for why the guy who won the tie wins over the other guy. Um, and like, my guess is that if Survivor Production was, you know, if the tiebreaker wasn't the third placer and it was production picks. I think your boy Dominic is looking a whole lot different in that season, you know? Um, so mm. yeah. Um, interesting, interesting thought experiment there. I also want to give a uh, shout out to, I saw this awesome breakdown of this season as Julius Caesar, uh, like the Shakespeare play. And I absolutely loved it. I don't know if we really have time to bring up a whole lot about it. Um, but the idea of it basically being Julius Caesar is a story of somebody burning too bright uh, and losing the faith of, uh, you know, their 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 party, of their of their group. And the aftermath of who, who all the traitors and the and the people who stood by them what their journey is, what their relationship to the uh, backstab is. And I think it's an interesting idea of, you know, you have Liana who stuck by Shan. You have Deshaun who really wrestled with it um, for moral reasons. You have Ricard who like reveled in it because they're friends. Like this kind of interesting exploration of afterwards. I think we could see maybe something like that happen. Um, and I guess then the question is like, who's, who's Brutus who uh, has a unfortunate end the end of that play but um <laughs> yeah so overall joe uh w- w- do you think this is an episode that in i don't know two years are we going to be looking back at this as one of our top episodes of the show of the seasons we've covered hmm. i feel like 
I don't know. I feel like I focus so much on like the current episode every time that I like lose perspective on the other ones. Um, I think it'll definitely be something we think about when we have such a front runner contender. And once we see where this new era of editing takes us, I think I saw a thread and I, I didn't grab it or anything but it was someone was like here's how this season has changed my view of edgic and i wanted to be like whoa 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 we i feel like we need to see the whole thing first before we like yeah change our view too strongly because yes our strongest contender went out but we don't know where that's going we have our theories of course but yep. maybe i don't know maybe it is a really like wild winner and there is a definite change that needs to be made for Edge going forward, but it could be just sort of a different type of yeah. the Edge of Extinction edit, and it just fits in that archetype. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it will be... We will go to future seasons and think, is this a sham? The same way we think, is this a Christian? Or is this a yeah. fire-making loser? Um, I'll never understand. There's, like, there's some sort of, like, inherent desire of the edgy community. I don't know. Like, I, my usual theory is that it's new people come in and don't, like, don't have the, like, they haven't done it week to week. So, like, when you look at a chart and see, I don't know, Tommy or Kim or something like that just at the top of the charts from, like, episode one or two to the end, right? Like, I think there's this idea that, there was no debate in those seasons. It was just like everybody mm-hmm. unanimously agreed that these people were winning. But every season, there's like always people who who you know are are convinced that uh, Karishma's winning or, or or something like that, right? Like th- that's that's always a factor. And th- there's this weird desire for it to be wrong in the community. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, and my theory is that must be new people coming in, not having kind of ridden the ups and downs, like roller coaster of it, right? Like the goal isn't that, like, how do you put this? Edgic means that they're doing their job right. If it works, it means that the editors, the narrative team have a cogent story that makes sense. Uh, that's really all it means. And the idea that, it, I, I, like, that you can guess it's going to be wrong. I feel like every season we've covered this, like, the top ranking our edgic thread and every season is is edgic over is it done mm-hmm. like are the is this a new wave of editing and every every single time it's no it's like I, I don't think there's been a meaningful departure in any way on any of the seasons we've covered uh in terms of how they really edit the show like the only real one is edge of extinction and like even then i think if you're gonna like before the season if you were to say what does edge of extinction looks like if the winner's the third boot like if you go from the back, it still makes a whole lot of sense with how they edited Chris. Like, it's just that twist didn't exist. I I, I have no idea why the community is so obsessed with it being not a not a not a thing. I think I think there's a lot of factors going into it, and like it's not something we can cover here fully. I I think it's really interesting, and I would like to explore it really deeply. But to sort of summarize, I think there is the portion of the fan base. I feel like I see threads on the main Survivor subreddit that are like, oh, Edgic was wrong. Look at them thinking they know everything. And like, I think there is this half desire for like it not to work so that people will sort of hype down about the edit. So I think 
And then I think from inside the community itself, there is this desire for it to be wrong because then it's surprising. We talked about this a few episodes ago where like sort of, I think I saw a thread that while I didn't, I, I don't think I agreed with the whole thing. The idea was that EDGIC sort of goes from its guidelines and they figure out the candidates and then they get bored and they want other people with these more exciting stories to win. So they sort of figure out theories for them. And then it sort of becomes chaotic. And there is this sort of like, oh, is Edgic broken? Um, I think another thing is just that it's one, Edgic is one of those topics, like so many today, where you see the opinion of the majority and you take it as like a unanimous decision. When <laughs> there's so, and it's so easy to do that with an Edgic chart because you can look at the contenders and say, yeah. oh, they thought this, but it wasn't <laughs> un- like, I feel, I don't know. It's not like we're the like highest, most voice. But you look at this season on like a community, no one was wild about Nasir's chances. Like, I feel like that's so important to this podcast story for this season. But like, no one ever gave Nasir too much time. And rightfully so. We got got. But... Like, there's so much discussion out there and so much talk about each person's edit. We spend so much time on Heather's edit, which, I mean, it's it's looking better <laughs> nowadays. But you would have been like, no one gave any time to Heather because why? So, yeah, there's all this. It gets caught up in all these big brush strokes that are what you see from when you educate a season. And... I think that takes away a lot of the nuance and the intricacy of the discussion there. So, so yeah, big, big topic to discuss. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think there's all sorts of desires pushing and pulling at the topic that make it this constant, yeah. like, war, basically. I think the big lesson for me, if anything, is, like, people need to just stop. Like, I feel like every season recently, people have basically been picking the Aubrey. Like, I think that's what's been happening. Like, if this is co-wrong, every season recently we're seeing, it's like, oh, they're shown as a better player, therefore they're winning. And I think this, the story of Survivor is actually the average person wins. It's not the remarkable person, it's the average person, right? It's mm-hmm. your, your, like, I think if you're gonna track all the seasons, a general trend is your third most interesting person's winning, right? Like, uh, yeah, there's examples of, uh, where it's different, but even, like, like Tony's an example of that, right? Spencer's the main character of Kageon, not Tony. Mm-hmm. And I feel like today, prob- um, that might be the case uh, that as well, is, like, Spencer probably would have got a lot of love there. Um, uh, even though he wasn't the main character, even though he was the main character, like I, I don't know the last time we've really had the main character win, other than your Ben kind of type or your Mike Holloway or something like that. Like unless it's like they're barreling to the end, like I, I feel like that's not your. I don't know. I guess that's the thing for me. It's like in general, I think we need to cool off on the Dominics. I, I feel like who have no no personal content at all and. <laughs> are just clearly being shown as the best player. Um, like, I, f- I feel like people really need to get the, the best player and winner lines uh, situated. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Let's jump here into the <laughs> stories. Um, obviously, I think this was, like, our, one of our episodes that we usually coin, like, you know, it's kind of the end of a lot of these, I think. Like, or at least the start of the next chapter, question mark. Yeah, I like that as... As a thought, I feel like, if anything, this definitely shapes a lot of the stories. It's a big episode for doing that, sort of showing why 
why they're important, such as this first one, I think. Danger, risk, probability, and luck. I think I think with Shan leaving, there is some sort of idea that this season's best player is not winning, and that's what Survivor's about. It's not your best strategist. It's someone who can navigate through stuff. And so, so yeah, I think, I don't know if I have anything specific to add to this point, but yeah, I think I see better where the story fits in. Yeah, like this is, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like I think that this is, for this week, this is more of a story of, again, yeah, how how the best person didn't win, I think, is uh, totally fair there. And how, honestly, like a situation like um, Erica not getting voted out at the merge, that one event which were presented as would have happened or even when they were trying to throw the challenge, how that um, unlucky event or that lucky event for Erica, I guess, um, can dismantle somebody, right? It can dismantle the best player and make them unable mm-hmm. to win. Um, interesting that way. Yeah, I think there's some people here who, like, if they win, luck is going to play a big part in how they got here. So, yeah, it's something you need to highlight. And I think we've been taking it as, I think maybe the physical part of it is less important than we were thinking. I think we lumped it in here because it made sense. If I disagree. Survivors- I disagree. I just don't think it's going to be important moving forward like my top candidate i think part of a huge part of their story is going to be how they were able to overcome a very physical difficult situation and grow as a person okay i mean yeah i i I see that for that person because we share the same person but i guess with Nasir leaving, who is sort of the like one-sided version of this, and then Shan left, who had elements of this, I think it's not. I feel like the season isn't just gonna outright be like who was the best like no. survivor. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually think it's kind of interesting because I almost think now it's clear that our whole because a part of like a part of a motif of this has always been um what Jeff Probst said something along the lines of um it's not supposed to be easy nothing like worth trying for ever is. And I think that's more what we're going for with the physical. Like, I think if you're going to take what's the server ever season saying about the brutality of a game, it's mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter if you're the best provider or, uh, you know, are able to snag the most sharks like Sydney. Uh, it matters that you're able to play the odds, right. And try your hardest, even when uh, the odds are stacked against you. Like, just keep keep trying. It's not supposed to be easy. Get knocked over and then just step back up kind of thing. Like, that's really what they're going for. We've seen a lot of people be exceptional. And the exceptional people are a dying breed, Joe. Yeah. And that is something we've seen all season. Where early on, there would be, like, providers who are leaving early and I don't know, maybe we didn't wrestle enough with that theme to be like, Hmm, maybe it's more complicated than that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, it bodes really well for, I think anybody who is shown in a, in a moment of breaking down or something like that, maybe a moment of authenticity, which is our next theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Authenticity is the one I sort of um, highlighted this episode. There's Ricard says a line at, Jeff asks him a question about, do you think about ever just getting rid of the minority, I think, is the question. And Ricard turns it into this talk about, like, how people are perceiving themselves. And 
I don't know. I thought it was at first I thought it was such a good encapsulation of this theme. Like perception of oneself is something we've been talking about the whole time. Like it's very important how you see yourself and how accurate that is to who you actually are. Upon not even re-listening to it, but when I went to go grab it to put it into our notes, I realized he's sort of saying, oh, the people who are on the bottom just think they're there. They're not actually there. And so maybe it doesn't work as well with that theme, but I still wanted to highlight it. So I mean, I think that even though it's obviously he's talking about something else here. I mean, one, good on Ricard for scooping up the people in the bottom. Uh, man's wheeling and dealing. And it's, it's really fun to see that. But um, separate to that, yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that it's so clear this is a important part. And it always goes back to the Jeff Probst thing of the game, whatever about the game, be vulnerable, let us watch. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Uh, in this we see, but I think one thing that's interesting is, like I said earlier, with that triangle of relationships between Liana, Shan, and Deshaun, we see uh, that Liana basically is going to be her more than she wants to win, um, right? Like she wants to be true to herself more than she wants to win. She's okay mm-hmm. bringing Shan. Uh, and then we see Ricard not make that same calculation. Um, he, he's actually going to be duplicitous uh, rather than be himself. I don't think at any point we get the sense that Ricard's a bad person or mean or anything like that. It's like he wants to win. That's the choice that he made. And a season all about hard choices, he didn't go for the emotions. He went for the big money bag. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there's an interesting point about Liana there, where Liana very clearly is going for her, like, personal relationships, but she's always doing it under this cast of being like, but I'm playing my own game. I want mm-hmm. to win this game. But it's it's like you can see this contradiction where she's not, she's making emotional choices and saying it's for the game. Yep. Yeah, it, it honestly gave, like, Angelina vibes, right? Um, it, like, But presented more sincerely, you know? Like, the more the contradiction there a little bit but I, I think that at no point are we meant to be like oh Liana is absurd for loving her friend I, I think we're supposed to take that as positive personally mm-hmm. but as a sign of something to come with Liana yeah uh yeah and I, I mean on that front I think the main story I think of this episode is kind of the, these two ideas of um and, and, and I think these all kind of come under the same umbrella it's sacrifice determination having to choose whether you and we last week we flagged um is survivor a personal game or a team game obviously with the one's own game or the culture that's a huge discussion of this episode right do you want to go with trying to get that money bag or trying to be a positive role model trying to be proud of who you are and how you're playing and so the people at home are happy and everything like that uh we're seeing that huge all over it um and i think an interesting thing is we all, I mean, with Ricard, it's the same thing. The, what's interesting is he didn't get to talk about it. He didn't get to have a confessional where he's like, yeah, I like Shan, but I, I want to watch or whatever. You know, like we didn't get um, that sort of discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting how we got so much of this story for Ricard and Shan, who've been together since the beginning of the game, like here. Like their whole game apparently has been about, we've never said we're a final two. We know we're good friends. We know we can work together, but we know also know at some point we'll have to go against each other. And I think, yeah, that's very much building into the theme, but it's strange to not have any of it until this point in the season. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think that we, uh, like, yeah, like I think that one thing that I really wanted to highlight as like, they did a really, really good job here with this theme is back in episode two, when D- Deshaun's talking about the three D's 
and uh, how you have to have discipline, determination, and dedication. Um, and his dad taught him that, um, how his parents sacrificed so much for his for him in his life, um, and that he has this responsibility to do well for them, to show that their investment in him wasn't, um, like, a waste. And a big thing, is that he says, is he wants, more than anything, to show to his parents uh, that, you know, they, they made the right choice. And then, obviously, here um flashback with all this um or sorry cut to now when you have all this baggage from the past that you know who Deshaun is and seeing him really wrestle with with what to do like I feel like that was so heartbreaking when he's like like bro this this last year was so hard and I don't know what to do I I, I'm at a loss for how to progress here Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely agree it's interesting to see how Deshaun has sort of grown with this theme where he never wants to give up but it's really forced him to make these very hard choices and often go against what he initially said he was going to do. And I think, of course, the other one here that's huge in this whole episode to me, just the exploration of the other people. For me, Erica, she has a confessional in that fake merge episode, episode six, I believe it is, uh, where she talks about how doing well in Survivor is a love letter to her community and her parents. And like... To me, that was one of those lines that really stuck with me. Uh, and I think was very, very captivating at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, wasn't wasn't the best professional, but whatever. Um, and, and seeing them have basically that same discussion um, kind of mirrored was, I thought, very, very interesting. Uh, it, to me, it's so clear that that's what the season's about, right? It's about playing the odds. Uh, never giving up, acknowledging the immense pressure that we put on ourselves that causes us to have to make big choices in a game that is almost unfair the level of stakes that especially people of color have to make, right? I think that there's a big um, push in this season to show how, how hard that is, that you're not only playing a game, you're you're playing a first, right? And with any first, it's you're not only pl- doing the first thing, you're, you're setting a standard for the future potentially. And they don't want to do it in a way that, you know, reflects poorly or like there's just so much more pressure on that. And I think seeing all these characters come to the same conclusion that it's really, really hard and there's a lot of pressure on them um, is super good. And like to me, that's what it is, is like the season saying that all these additional pressures to between playing a team game versus playing for yourself, uh, all the crazy advantages and luck and all that kind of stuff that comes into it. Um, basically forces you at the end of the day to have to make hard choices, swallow your pride a little bit and be willing to do like kind of make the cut when you have to, even though it might be really hard. That's how I'm reading this season, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a, that's a good read of it. It almost, it loops back where it's like, you want to represent yourself so well. And if you're really, if you really believe that it means you need to then make choices that are not always the nicest or the most honest. And I think that's something that people are grappling with. Like it's this paradox of like choices there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I like, to me, I think we were meant like this whole season has been this push and pull, like, like, uh, the the Shan confessional, like the, the loyalist or the strategist. And to some degree, I think the turn your emotions off just a little bit is the is the winning philosophy. Uh but it, it it's mounted with the the uh, the pressures and stakes behind it, right? There's so much talk about parents this season, especially. You know, like it's and I think that's not 
typical for Survivor, right? Like, I think often you get, like, you know, Joe loves his dad or whatever, but I don't think you get, like, my my life is about, cap like, being an investment on somebody else's, uh, or, or being, a, you know, a return on somebody else's investment in me. It's a pretty captivating theme, to be honest. Like, it's... Uh, definitely makes you think about your own life and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I would say usually you go the other way where it's like, I'm doing this for my kids, but these mm-hmm. people are doing it like for their parents. Like, that's very interesting and sort of, I don't know, more reflection like on if you look at who's left, it's like just Heather and Ricard have children so maybe danny i don't know but like more reflection of of that youth or a different style of family family structure yeah you're in this era yeah because yeah no that's a good point it's like and good on survivor for finding a way out of this because like we saw in ghost island just like the cringiest attempts at for wendell right like the birthday party for his girlfriend who had broken up with him or whatever right like Mm -hmm. where it just didn't work it's like uh, yeah okay what like i guess this is personal content um and obviously it's so much easier when you have jeremy crying about his kids and and that sort of thing right like good on them for finally figuring out how to kind of crack the nut of how do you make young people um you know captivating that way and have that gravitas behind it and i think the that that discussion will probably come up in future seasons. I feel like that's maybe something that they figured out more, more than anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the only other theme here that I think, like we've taken it on and off the roster uh, throughout the season. Joe, it's like, I mean, at this point, I think it's kind of, uh, I mean, to me, it seems pretty obvious a woman is going to win this game, but... Um, See, I think I think a lot of people are going the other way and thinking, oh, well, especially with Shan going, now a man is, has to win this and we're just getting some nice um, women womanhood moments. But no, I, I agree with you. I think a woman is still almost definitely winning. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, to me, this, like, it's almost going so far. And the point that I... Like, it kind of sucks, but I think it's almost a negative theme. But, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you got, obviously, you have Ricard and Shan talk about it this week. And I think it's, you're meant to take from the season. That, yeah, Shan absolutely would have roasted Ricard at the end, right? Like, mm. so, obviously, that side is the winning one. And I, I think the new era theme, um, in many ways, I, my guess, Joe, is and this is my like official slam in the buzzer. If this is America's Got Talent, this is the golden buzzer. I think we are going to get a woman winner. Obviously, my top contender is a woman. I think we're going to get really uh, maybe uplifting. I don't know. We're, we're going to get a hammy at the very least. Jeff Probst monologue about how it's a new era because a woman beat a man at the end. <laughs> uh, On reunion know. night. <laughs> that. That is, on one hand, not something I want to hear, but it makes so much sense. (laughs) I think that's what it is. I think that we're going to get, like, I think you see this now and then, right? Like, some big thing will happen, and then Jeff is so excited to talk about it at the reunion. And it's, Mm -hmm. he's not the most elegant, he's not the most um, sensitive, uh, but he really, really, really wants to talk about it. And I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get a nice long Jeff Prost monologue or hype package or something about how this this is how you know it's a new era. Yeah, I mean, even just to say that a woman won, that yes. happened seven seasons ago. Um, it, it, it's been years. So, so yeah, that's definitely something that could hallmark this new era, unfortunately. Like, yeah, and typically the unfortunately isn't the woman winner it's <laughs> yeah i think we're both expecting jeff to handle this very poorly yeah yeah 
That's like my like if I had to make a weird guess like right now of like what's the thing leaving the reunion that everybody is like because there's always one right like there's always some sort of gasp moment leaving mm-hmm. the reunion it's gonna be it's gonna be something like that that's my guess yeah but I think yeah it's interesting that we had all that content with Danny being like oh the woman with there might be a women's alliance and now now they do outnumber men outnumber the women so how yep. how will we see this affect the game so yeah I, yeah. I think so as well i also yeah no and i mean yeah it's almost certain at this point that it'll be a mixed final right it'll probably be i weirdly don't think so which that's a big big, bold claim but i like i guess that's right like i guess i could see a world where it's erica heather and liana like it wouldn't surprise me i guess i don't know maybe but i mean on the other side i definitely don't see any three of those four men making the final three together oh yeah no like there's no i feel like i would bet zero percent against a all-male final three like yeah that would be a failure on the on the part of the storytelling for sure like no group of three of these has any like long-term like finalist legs together right like have we seen like danny and ricard talk you know (laughs) like and, like we've seen Danny and Xander talk, so I think you could you could like a few times you could see them in the end together. Like maybe you could pull Deshaun, Danny, Xander into something that makes sense, but it'd still be like what? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in case it wasn't obvious, like I'm all in on. I think that all the things I'm saying there, I'm right. Uh, like that, like, I'm still right along with uh, that I've been saying for a few weeks. To me, I honestly think. I, I'm 50-50, I guess, on whether I think this is going to be a robbery or not. That's the, like, that's the thing is, like, I feel like I have my contender in mind. And this week, they almost are rising more as a just a regular old threat than I even expected. Um, the person is, is Erica. Um I would have expected it to be a a robbery of sorts. Like last week when I had her number one, I was expecting it. Maybe it's, I don't know, Erica and Ricard or something in the end and, and, and Erica wins. Um, but Erica's kind of just looking like a legitimate, credible threat now. So mm-hmm. that's like... In a way, like, I feel like my my plot line got me to the right person, and, and I think maybe we might not <laughs> even look back at this season as her being a, a, a side character, you know? Like, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think I'm on the same page where, like, if it's a robbery, it happened at the final eight. <laughs> yeah. Like, where, like, one person sort of took the reins. Um, yeah, there's a very important line spoken in this episode that I think sort of nails that down. And we'll get to that when we talk about Erica. But in yeah. which case, let's talk about Danny, our boy. Who, Joe, I, like, there's so much great stuff about this episode, and, like, there's so much to highlight, and, like, some amazing moments, some great scenes. Like, the moment that gave me the most, like, giddiness was that Danny actually finally got his due. Like, last week, we gave, like, a segment, like, is Danny just getting the, you know, he he shit-talked the twist, and so he's gonna get made fun of the whole season. And they actually gave him his due here, right? Like, they showed him as a competent, credible player. Uh, he got to, get, he had got, like, the patented right after the immunity challenge. Like, this is what's going to happen, confessional. Like, he got a lot of good stuff here, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good episode for him. And I don't know, if you think back on it, like, the good episodes, the premiere, episode four, this episode, all have quite a bit of Danny in them. And I think, weird that we just haven't got that throughout. So, I don't know, my read on Danny, it's... <sighs> 
it's a strange one because it's like, yeah, he's been under edited, but if he doesn't like the twists, maybe they're just going a little lighter than they should. It's one I need to revisit and be like, okay, why? Why is Danny really not winning? Especially as we more highly consider Luvu people, especially as we know, like the main character of the season goes out at final eight. Like, I don't know. I'm having a hard time placing Danny on my mm. list of contenders. I think that's fair, right? Like, there's probably some bizarre a world where Danny wins they're annoyed by it and uh, almost we one of his final travel council speech I think this would totally match with our themes is this game was stupid and I was still able to play well like all these dumb risk and probability and luck and all that stuff and I was still able to play better than everybody else I didn't like this stuff it didn't matter I'm up against I don't know Xander and he's just Mr. Rabbit Hat Man and I'm not and vote for me because I didn't need any of this flashy dumb stuff. I just played the game of Survivor. I, I could see that being a a, a story. Do I think it's likely? No. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I think if you think about it, there's like the way Danny has not been targeted yet is just bizarre. Almost to the sense like if he were winning, you'd have some sense that like Danny was some sort of threat that would need to be taken care of. But there's just like none of that. If they're doing it, they're going to literally be like, oh, and Danny skated by while no one cared about the like NFL player <laughs> like mm-hmm. that didn't happen so so yeah that's I think the biggest hesitation I can sort of put to the forefront um yeah I mean just generally a weird patchy edit but but now I I don't know that's not so bad anymore yeah like like that's the thing is once some things fall out you have to then consider okay well are there any reasons something like this could happen right and mm-hmm. yeah, I think being annoyed that he has been vocal uh could be it right like and it's not like he was vocal on social media or something after it's like he was vocal on the island and maybe maybe got under their skin um it, it's very possible uh, sorry, not very possible. I, I it's plausible, I guess. It, it's, it's something that I think could happen. Uh, again, I'm not super high on Danny. I think that I think we've been right on him this whole way. I think he's our not finale boot or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's gonna be he, he's got a shelf life. Like, I don't even think he could be a losing finalist because they haven't told us why he'd lose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I think there is that twist from the next time on. Like Danny does sort of fit perfectly right into that, where like he could go of a stupid twist. <laughs> like, like that would sort of fit his story there too. But I don't know. We don't have any inclination of what that twist is or anything. So I didn't even think about that. I are so in Canada the next time on like cut out halfway, um, or at least on my feed of it. Uh, so I not even I wasn't even aware that this was happening. But that's yeah. If that if there is a thing happening next week and it's. Like, what did they say? So, like, they're on... I always call it the, like, Simotion platform because I always know they do the, like, ball track challenge there. But it's the one where Erica revealed if she had smashed the hourglass or not. And they're, like, talking about... Jeff's talking about immunity, and he's like, but this one has a twist, and it's dangerous. And then that's where it cuts. Oh. So, huh. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Danny is my pick to go next week, probably. Like, hmm... It could go between him or someone else, but like, I don't know, it feels like his time. It kind of felt like this episode could almost have been his time. I thought that was, as well at one point. I'm like, oh, he's, he's getting, getting his due. Oh, yeah, he's, he's getting so much content. It was like, time to go. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, 
See, I, I think it might be too cute if they show him complaining about the twists only to leave in one. <laughs> Maybe? Like, don't you think that would put more credibility on his complaints? So what do they do with his complaints then? Yeah, I, I mean, they could not, sh- they could not show... I, I, yeah, I, see, okay, the, uh, my mind's getting opened here. I could see it. I, I think I'm more likely that Danny is, like, seventh or something, or sixth or something. Um, yeah. Mid-finale. It looks like, what, we're tracking for a finale of five people? I think it's six. Are there two more episodes? I think there's two more episodes, right? Huh. So, yeah, because this ep- normally it's 11 and then 12 is the finale and 13 is the reunion, right? I think there's actually more episodes. I don't know. The episode numbers have confused me because I feel like there should be a lot more than there are. Yeah, like it doesn't just... feel like we're at the end, I, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I doubt Danny leaves yet. Mostly because, Joe, I think we, like, this is kind of my pet theory. I think we might be seeing, what if it's just a Pagong from here on? What if it's just Luvu just bats these people out of here? I don't know. I, I mean, at the, looking at the vote total, though, you'd think that maybe Erica, Heather, Ricard, and Xander could just kind of pick the other three off. I think could happen. I think we might lose Ricard sooner, but yeah, and Xander too. Like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Other than that, like, I'm just glad I'm glad Danny was in the episode. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, seems like a seems like a and he seems like an interesting player, too. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like he's clearly wheeling and dealing, has some good bonds and stuff like that. So good on him. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see like postseason, like what people actually thought of Danny, like what he was doing. Yeah. Just I feel like what we're seeing definitely doesn't add up to what I expect of him or what he's actually doing. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. Like, I feel like him and Deshaun are maybe more of a duo than we've seen. You know, like they're probably closer to like a Dom and Wendell than they are anything else you know like i feel like they're probably pretty even and the fact that deshaun's more or less getting the the shine there i mean part of that i think is deshaun is super captivating like like we said it before like how great was that scene with shannon deshaun it was so good um Mm -hmm. so like i get it like if you're gonna pick one maybe it's deshaun but that's the one but for danny but it's not like he's been invisible by any means. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Any other thoughts on Danny before we jump in? I don't think so. All right. So Deshaun is uh, like so good. I, I thought he was really captivating and shout out to Deshaun for doing something that's really not easy and deciding to say yes. Right. He gets new information and he's like with, with Erica and he's just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Let's do it. Like, um, or, or sorry with, um, who is it? It's Ricard who pitches to Deshaun. He's just like, oh yeah, let, let's let's flip. Like, there's no mm, maybe or anything like that. He's just he's a very flexible player. We've seen him play with control and do very well. We've seen his plans crumble here and do really well. I think Deshaun's really really uh, a plus talent here. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good player, but I think as far as the edit goes, what it's doing a lot is making him contradict himself. Like, oh yeah, like this episode is all about oh yeah. Shan, we got to do it for each other, for the culture. And then he like flips on Shan and Shan's like, you're a snake, which is, isn't great. Um, In the last episode at the beginning, Evie and Deshaun are like, we'll never vote for each other. <laughs> and then Deshaun votes for Evie. Like it's, I think especially with Shan going, you look to Deshaun who has the most winnery edit from the Ajik bar alone. Like you look at that and it's like, oh, this is, this yeah. is the person who's winning. But then you look at it again. And in addition to all those patches, it's now this this sense of contradiction and yo he's the killin right like he never actually is negative but he's the villain and there's this looming negativity all throughout him to Mm -hmm. me he's so much like 
uh, Kellen from the first season we covered. Like, it's I- I'm kind of shocked looking at it right here. I pulled it up on my uh, uh, on my screen here, and yeah, he's never dipped negative. He's gotten close, but it's like not enough to give him the end. He's always yeah. kind of right in the line uh, enough that you dislike him a little bit. You see, he's un- unreliable, but you still appreciate him. And I think that's the right line they're writing with him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I still I still have him firmly as the fire making loser. Yeah. Like he just fits so perfectly into that role, I think. That would be a great um like from that Nasir quote in episode two, like when he's making the fire and he's trying and Sydney gives up. Like that was really good. Um or maybe that was three, whatever episode that was. Um from early on, uh, <laughs> I get uh, called out there. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like that, that was a great one. And like, it's like, oh, he's going to work every day at that fire. Uh, if he goes and loses, that would be like, I, I don't know. It, it would be almost contradictory to the theme in a way, but would be like a beautiful contradiction, right? It would be uh, almost paradoxical where it's, oh yeah, he did work every day and he still wasn't good enough to, to that, that actually, or maybe he stopped trying or something like that I yeah i think i think the idea was that nasir was like we'll just set up a practice with you every day and then it was never like seriously took upon like he didn't actually practice every day like nasir told him that was the key to victory and he didn't yeah. do it so yeah no I, I actually think that's a great take and i i actually totally agree I, like if i had to guess Obviously, like, I think there is a Firemaker loser edit to some degree. Um, Like, we've seen some level of pattern-ish. Uh, but more or less, it's just, like, someone who, who, who somewhat, if you squint, could be a contender and to some degree has mentioned fire, right? Like... We've seen the flip side, right? Like we saw Devin uh, make fire and then that not work, right? You know, that mm-hmm. they were setting him up to fail, like as a, as a boss to add stakes. But then we've also seen like, uh, you know, a Kara who at, at times was shown as, as trying, but like, like, we, like there's clearly something they're doing, but I don't think you can really read. Like there's like an obsession. And I love this on the, uh, edge community and stuff like that to find like anybody mentioning fire and uh, hyper obsessing about it. <laughs> but I think honestly, it's like, it's a 50, 50, whether it's them building them up to fail or whether it's showing that they can make fire and win justifiably. Yeah. So yeah. I think that Deshaun as a fire loser is probably a pretty good pick. Um, yeah. Um, I know sort of thinking about the Kellen train of thought, he, could go earlier like i will say this next vote does feel a little up in the air like it yeah. could go several several different ways yeah and... i'm ve- like last week we were like jumping at the bit for the ricard next boot and five minutes into this episode i was like we're- i'm gonna look so smart tonight and then he, <laughs> he wins the challenge so yeah i think realistically he would have left mm-hmm. it seems like um, so I think we can still get, get a point, you know, <laughs> um, in theory. I don't, I don't think that's how it works. I think it's how it works. We make the rules, Joe. Um, but yeah, he, he's an interesting one. Like, I guess, Joe, the only other thing is like, I think to me, I could see a world actually where Deshaun is the robbed. I could see a world where he's actually the losing finalist. We've, we've gotten plenty of reason to see why he would not win some of these people's jury votes. Yeah, that's fair. I think that could, yeah, that could happen. I think I'd bet more on fire loser, but um, yeah, yeah. Like I think, I think we've seen enough that we could totally get why he'd lose. And I think it would maybe make sense because I don't know if it is someone like a Erica winning, um, 
that would like that would kind of make sense with how the, like maybe the producers think Deshaun should have won. Like I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's a world where I think it's possible. Uh, but gun to my head, fire maker loser makes so much sense. Uh, being with that fire content and the fact that honestly, I feel like there's just more likely losing finalists. Uh, and that mm-hmm. basically is. A lot of these people could be losing finalists. Um, it's kind of what we're left with. It's kind of like Gabon style, um, where everybody left you can see not winning. Um, yeah. And Deshaun's one of them. So I guess that's good for Deshaun. And mm-hmm. so we will jump to our girl, Erica. What a fantastic episode for Erica, Joe. Yeah, really brought in at the right times, like just sort of the hallmarks of like good content, like in the right places. And this is where there's a very important line spoken by Danny. And Danny is like, well, I could get out Shan tonight, but I could make the bigger move and get out Erica. (laughs) And then choosing not to do that, I think is just this beautiful storm of like reasons you should be looking at Erica a lot more now. Right. Like there's this seemingly absurd uh second person visibility on erica that talks about her like she is the like the the man with no name like clint eastwood in uh the sergio leone movies or something like they talk they show people talking about her only as if she is like the greatest of all time survivor player Mm -hmm. it's it's super weird because we've honestly seen her do nothing and i don't think people view her that way like i think it's like my my theory is that there's something weird going on there like but yeah i think more often it's like erica's an easier vote so they can just be like well erica's sneaky so let's vote her out as opposed to like any actual sneakiness behind their vote reasoning Mm -hmm. yeah i i mean yeah i think this is sort of that move well i mean before i say that is erica the one who gets credit for this for taking out stan it's not ricard is it It, ricard i it's both right it's Mm -hmm. I, so okay so here's here's my dissection of that so i think genuinely in their heart of hearts and on the beach it's ricard i think that's the case and i think the show gives them his credit there mm-hmm. like definitely i think if you're gonna say who it's more towards it's ricard that said the way this episode's structured it's not it's it's erica uh from almost minute one erica is going to deshaun and being like hey we need to go after um shan right like from really early on, she's making that move. Uh, and we see that early on in the episode. And then, in case you forgot, we check back in with Erica to see why the split vote happens. So, like, the initial concept to go after her and the vote layout is Erica. I think that's enough that even though it's clearly it was Ricard, right? Like, he's the one who kind of put the wheels in motion. Mm-hmm. It was his story move. Like, I-, I think that this episode presented that at the very least is 50-50, if not... Erica thought of it first, even if everybody thinks it was Ricard's move. Yeah, I think the way they framed it was like Ricard sort of definitely had this emphasis where like he needed to be the one who made this move for like the story but almost like erica's someone referred to it as like erica editing the plan which i really like like her making mm-hmm. sure it was a split vote or at least the edit showing us that because i think the way that all gone like almost anyone could have told us that was a split vote like you could have heather being like and it's a split vote and then we'd be like oh my gosh heather got shan out yeah. um but but yeah they gave it to erica which i think is really important um she's also like the 
the alternate target here, which I think works really nicely. Um, yeah, just all sorts of good looks for Erica here. Yeah, like she looks super glowing, right? It's she basically calls her shot, right? She's like, er, like Shan's gonna go. Here's how it's gonna happen. First, we see and and we see like them in danger a little bit, right? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, and like we've mentioned, Survivor loves having their winners in danger. And so we see Erica be like, is it me? So so wait, where are the votes going? Which every vote, by the way, has this conversation. They just don't always get aired. And it's like, oh, let's split it. I, I feel like no matter what, they're splitting the vote here. Like, there's no reason to not split the vote here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess actually getting Deshaun and Danny in is a thing. But, like, we see that Ricard gets Danny. Or, sorry, gets gets Deshaun. Like, yeah, Erica gets Danny. But do we think Deshaun was going to blindside Danny? I don't. Mm-hmm. I so, think that's right. Like based on that, I'm like, I bet Danny knew in that moment already and was playing it cool. Like, and, and then we just got this fake scene. Maybe it turns out that's not the case, but that's how I read it, right? It's like obviously Danny's gonna like what they're just gonna blindside Liana, Shan, and Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danny, I think uh, definitely it's another moment of like weird that they give Erica credit for that. Like, because like Danny and Erica aren't super close. Like, but I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that Erica can sort of reach out of her her group and say, what do you think? Yeah, no, for real. And I mean, I think that um, a couple weeks ago we saw it's just like, how would you even get Erica out of the game at this point? It'll be really hard. Um, She's kind of perfectly in the middle. She's got right now. She could pagong with Luvu or she could pagong with her four person alliance of Erica, Heather, uh, Xander and Ricard. She basically has the pick there. Um, Also, like not for nothing. She's the one who explicitly says that they don't want to target Xander. Um, and I think that's interesting. Like Erica says that Xander has no relationships and so we should keep him in. Um, to me, it's very clear that's a four and I think it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I think Erica was the most on the ball she's been all season. But yeah, like the weird things for me is it's so clear. She's probably less of a factor here than we are seeing. That said, they're building her like she's a threat. And she's Joe. What surprised me, and obviously a lot of this is from that giant episode where she's alone on time travel island or whatever. She's quickly approaching like a lot of winners' confessionals by this time. Like it's not um, this giant gulf. I was looking at my charts from the previous seasons, and like she's not even far off from Tommy in terms of confessional counts. Like obviously, there's so much more to being on the show than just amount of confessionals. But it's an easy way to just see some see some numbers there. And yeah. like she really isn't. And like I, I feel like the big push against her has been who is she? And I'm like, there's been so many more, or sorry, less visible winners than Erica. Yeah, I think you look at the season at this point, and you know where, like, Erica fits in, and, like, the nice thing about Erica's edit was always that she had, like, this philosophy to her game, and now that philosophy is sort of, like, crystallized. Uh-huh. It's here, and it makes sense. So, it makes sense when, when this big winner contender leaves. I mean, it was sort of the things I've been talking about, like, where, oh, I can't really put Erica as a contender until something big actually does happen. It's not likely unless, like, all my other contenders sort of fall by the wayside. 
And then that all sort of happened. And it makes a really perfect kind of sense to me that she would win this season because she is now like a threat. I think she's taken out Nasir. She's taken out Shan like that alone. And then you add on all these thoughts people have about her where she is this, this threatening figure. I think, I think it works out really well. Yeah. Like, after this episode, I left being like, oh, it makes so much sense. Last week, I was like, I, I, I felt like a little nervous. I was like, am I going to get like, I don't know, like roasted? Like, what's it? What's the thoughts going to be on this? And like, maybe it's confirmation bias, but this episode did so much for me to like it I, this episode made me be like almost mad at myself for not putting her higher earlier and obviously that always ha- you know like inherently mm-hmm. yeah whatever you think now you're gonna look back and i'm like this the 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 big um, elephant in the room with Erica is that she gets this giant jump in content at the merge, but there's an explainable reason why she does. And even in that episode, uh, I was like, this is something to watch out for, right? Like this mm-hmm. huge jump in personal content and strategic content and showing like, oh, she made it out of getting the challenge thrown and everything like that. Um, but there were still these excuses, right? Like there's still these, oh, well, if Heather was there she probably gets a big thing too and that's probably true right like it's probably maybe a little less golden maybe i don't know but probably no matter what that person gets that and so yeah. when this giant w- w- like what if the winner does just go to an island where they get to talk to themselves for a- half an episode that happens and i think that might be what we're seeing and it's an easy thing to write off and i think that's why maybe she's not showing up on a lot of people's lists because you can justify it away a lot of her good content you can justify away. Mm-hmm. But I think that everything after that has been so good at re-referencing it that like I, I no longer view that as just mandatory content. I think it's re-emerged into being canon again. Yeah, and I think if you look at Erica's edit where so much of what's relevant to why she may win in the end happens so late you can make sense of that like earlier stuff too where it's like yeah we won't give time to luvu because they never go to tribal and there's interesting stuff happening on both yasa and ua like let's give lots of time to those it's almost like (laughs) some weird inversion of complex tribe theory where like this part doesn't matter to our winner so let's give it to some really interesting dynamics on in other places i mean maybe that's that's maybe that's too tinfoil hattie but like if if she wins that's what happened for sure yeah 100 percent. and like i i mean i think it's interesting that we do get like i don't know like Erica in what episode four goes to the shines. Like we're the only ones playing the game here and Mm -hmm. flash to the final seven. And they are presented as, I mean, plus Ricard, the two strongest players, right? Like she was kind of right back then. Um, It's a little weird, but even then, like we get confessionals there about Deshaun says in episode four, I've always been a little apprehensive about Erica. Somebody who's that quiet all the time is a little bit sus. And I know she's really smart. Her survivor IQ is super high, even though she tries to make it seem like she's lo- it's low. The thing is, I definitely trust Sydney more than I trust Erica. Erica is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. So I just want to cut the head off the stake before it becomes too much of a problem. I don't mm-hmm. want to give her the opportunity to play the slow beginning game and then emerge at the end and take me out. That's that episode where she shows up big time. <laughs> in episode four. Mm. Deshaun just said a really good thing that encapsulated like all of her 
America's winter story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think the weird thing is I think you see that like it's like a negative CP rating in that fourth episode and that looks bad. But it's like all this negative um, like second person visibility about her being such like a sneaky player. It's not like Erica's not contradicted. Like, no. Yeah, and if anything, we also get that scene with Sydney where she's like, wait, is it Danny who's after me? Is it Nasir? Is it? And the last person she lists is Erica. She can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like that whole episode's not about how bad Erica is. It's about how if they don't get Erica out, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Same flashback into that episode when they're trying to throw the challenge. It's not, she sucks, I hate her. It's, she's so good. If we do not do this, it will be a sin of all survivor sins to let let her stay in this game she's so good yeah that's a little dramatic but like that that confessional that i just read sums up what they're saying it's she's so smart and we've caught her a little bit so let's kill her now i think the story is yeah they should have deshaun had the ammunition here and they, they weren't able to lose for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why Nasir's painted as such an okay character is because he sort of is the key to why Erica does end up winning. Yeah. So like, you don't want to be really mad at Nasir for more than just this reason. If you don't like Erica winning. So show him as someone who is really worthwhile and then yeah, have, have him be sort of the key to why Erica is able to make it that far. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like game theory wise, I mean, like, I- she's in there you know what i mean like she is right in the middle she's got good bonds Mm -hmm. she's apparently got a very high survivor iq um earlier in the season what i think xander also said that him and erica have the best survivor knowledge shan the whole time has been talking about how scared she is of erica and we just saw erica is the one who uh did the did the crime right Mm -hmm. yeah i think another big thing is that this edit for all of its positives it's not the greatest like there is still it's so it still feels really invisible and Luvu is not the complex tribe as we know it but you look at everyone else and it's like these weird like square pigs that do not fit into the round yeah, hole of, the like thing. the winners edit and it's just like none of this makes the right type of sense so maybe Erica's like lighter version of making sense is the one we should go for. Yeah, totally. Right. Like early on, I was so in on my, you know, the winner's going to be and showed it to Brad preseason when we were making fun of him on the preseason table where he said this is going to be the season of a come from behind winner. And we're like, what's that mean, Brad? How are you supposed to know that? <laughs> and Brad was right. Um, Brad's so psychic. he really was. Um, and yeah, I just like. To me, it's the only person that makes sense other than than Heather uh, for that. Um, (laughs) And people have, like, as Deshaun just summarized for us, uh, summed up exactly how she does it. Like, Mm -hmm. in episode four. You know what I mean? Like, that's foreshadowing. And I think there was a lot of that. And, like, like I I was kind of pushing at this all preseason or pre-merge of... Like Yasa isn't as complex as we're saying. There's this messed up, uh, like the dynamics aren't super clear by the end. Uh, I probably went too far in that direction, but like all season I've been flagging the alerts of like complex trap theory is not over, but this is a weird season where it's more about these inter- intertangled bonds and that sort of thing. And like, what if Natalie what's on the other tribe is a totally viable, viable, viable path. Um, so yeah, uh, that's Erica, I guess. Any other thoughts mm-hmm. there on Erica? No, I think that's good. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, like, she is very endearing. Like, you can tell, she, you can tell she's good. Um, 
at the very least when you're just watching these beach scenes. Uh, yeah, so that brings us to what, Heather? Yes, which I think is where we uh, maybe go from a really well-reasoned argument about Erica to uh, why do we both have Heather number two on our list? Honestly, Joe, for me, it's literally what you said before uh, there with, to me, it's, I, and I guess I do want to be clear. So on my chart, I have Erica and that's it at this point. Yes. That's yeah. not that I'm like, honestly, I feel like some of these other people can win. Like we talked about Danny could win. I could see a world where that happens. Um, Ricard could win. I could see a world where that happens. Um, But all of those kind of require them doing something kind of bad, right? Like it's just a bad storytelling device. And to me, the drop off is significant enough between Erica and everybody else between my number two and Heather that it's just like to put like, like if like I would feel wrong if I had Heather second and then if Heather did win, I'd be like, oh, look, I had her second. Like, because I don't actually have almost any <laughs> yes. faith in it. Like, that's what it's more like for me. Yeah, um, I should I should phrase that as we both have Erica as like our only contender on our charts. But on like the extended like actual list of like where everyone falls. Like Heather is second for me, for you. And and yeah, I think you're right. It's that if Erica is the sort of the the pig that like fits at least, Heather is also that, but it's like uh, like it's only because like it's such a tiny pig that you can just sort of like throw it through the hole. <laughs> like it works. And like for me, I think it makes sense if this is a new era and they're really going so so far. Like this person who has not been on the show very much but has these moments of positivity makes some sort of sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing is like Heather has more of a story somehow than a lot of these people who've been on the show a whole lot more, right? It's it's a simple story, but it's a very clear story. It's that she doesn't give up, right? She Yeah. She has really hard times sometimes with the challenges, but she doesn't give up and that sort of thing, right? Obviously the big issue is like, I mean, before now, I would have still been on the she gets medevaced or idled out or something. I don't think I'm there anymore. I think that I think she's going deep. Like somehow. I don't know why they'd opt to do this sort of mm. story. Um, I mean, you didn't have sort of the opportunity to consider this, but she's sort of the one people are thinking, oh, if this is a twist and she gets like taken out because of it, like that explains it. Oh but, yeah. If it's a, like, oh my God, I hope it's not an elimination twist. Yeah. I think like for me, I struggle to see some of these. I mean, I guess if any three go, two of them have to be losing finalists, but Heather feels like very much no vote finalist to me. Like very Troy Zanny in that like Oh Troy Zanny, right? Like it would be the exact same thing. Like Joe, actually I'm gonna over under here. So Let's say Heather's the losing finalist, okay? Does she, uh, let's go with a bet. Do you think that she will reference Richard Hatch in her speech? No, I don't think so. I'm going to say yes or some other I'm going to say I'm going to pick two between Richard Hatch, Ethan and Boston Rob. She's going to say she's been watching since those days. Thanks for considering me. Peace out. Yeah, I think I could see the longevity of it. And, like, it'll be like, I've been watching Survivor for 20 years, and I finally get to come out here, and I'm so grateful to have had this experience. And I know these are two big game players next to me, but just know that I never gave up. And, yeah, thank you for letting me here. And then people will be like, that's nice, Heather. Anyway. 
Yeah, that's that's hundred percent what I'm picturing. Very Troy Zanny, right? Where he cuts himself out of the discussion, right? Which he, is like, really sad because I think huh. we had sort of the opportunity to see some like older women players who we thought could be more capable, like mm-hmm. final like losing finalists, and instead they almost went like the other way and made like the like parody of that version where it's just like literally just there to choose scenery and it's like okay well i made it here and you you can see who i am so i'll just i'll just sit which is unfortunate (laughs) yeah yeah it's and i mean to some degree if you have a character like heather i guess the question is like if you give her more confessionals is her story any more clear i think maybe the answer is no right like Mm -hmm. they've done a good job in the small amount of content being um economical with time Right, you. I think you know everything that there. You really need to know about Heather to to love her or hate her or, or mm. think she should win. You have all that info, really. Yeah, I mean, unless we get Heather flashback theory, which we still pray for every day. I feel like we're not like missing like tons of like CP Heather episodes where she's like, okay, and this was the plan I wanted to execute. I mean, she says it in this episode. She's like, I'm at the bottom and taking more of a backseat like other people are making decisions. Like a girl knows herself. Maybe. maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Would you say she has a good perception of herself? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that she uh, never gives up. She never gives up. Yeah, you can see it. And that's the thing is like, honestly, the only world Heather wins, I think, honestly, is if it's give me Deshaun, Ricard and Heather and the jury's like, just screw you two. You suck. Like, I like, think maybe like Deshaun, Liana, Heather. Yeah, I can like, see where that. They're just so bitter and they're like, you know what? Heather was here. She didn't make the most moves, but she never gave up. And yeah, we're voting for other. It it has to be a very I don't I'm explicitly like, bitter. You know, I don't I mean? like. Yeah, I don't like using the term bitter jury, but. Yes, this would be a jury that was like, gameplay, no thank you. Which and, would actually match what, like, that's where, like, my, like, the reason Erica was on my contenders list a couple episodes ago was that, was there's this clear, uh, almost resentment in this story of playing well. You know what I mean? Like, there's this, like, uh, if the monster's anything in this season, right? The, the monster that has never shown up. <laughs> in any in any capacity whatsoever um if it's anything it's 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 the monster or, or or the impending doom of people who do well and who play hard right and if that's the story and it's two people who played hard but they hate them like that's the whole reason why I was ever considering Tiffany, why I was ever considering Nasir, and why I'm now considering Erica. This whole season's had this anti-exceptionalism theme, and mm. like, there's totally a world where Heather wins, and they're they're super upset about it. And they, uh, not even that, but like, the best way to show it is just show all these people play really hard, and then I don't know, someone does a uh, what Eric Cardona style speech, and is like, um, you know, Heather didn't give up and that's what matters. She, she was at least nice. Yeah. So yeah, like that's the other thing is like, I can see that. Um, I think it would be, I think it would be jarring and bad, but yeah, it's just like, we've reached the extreme of the, like, I don't know, the Heather theorem or Heather quotient where like, she's now, she's still occupying that space where it's like, these people make less sense than if Heather won. But like, now everyone except Erica makes less sense than Heather winning. Next week, it's going to be Heather number one. 
and we'll quit. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's just it, it's it's so weird. Um, I, I kind of hope if I hope she leaves soon, just because like I don't want to think about it. Like I don't want to be on finale night and being like, oh my god, is it going to be Heather? Like, <laughs> and it's nothing against her. It's purely how they've chose to tell this. I just don't really want to think about it and have that in my mind because every other person here would be a great winner. Well, I have. I have differing thoughts. I think Heather would be a good winner and a fun winner. And I love the survivor that lets Heather win. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's like, it's so clear she's not doing much and she's nice. And mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I wouldn't be against Heather getting her 75,000 or, or, or whatever. The, she or, has a perfect voting record. The yeah. people we've seen her go against have gone. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is like, I mean, that said, I mean, it's easy to, it's having a perfect voting record is one overrated because I mean, if you're the one picking who goes home, very good. If you're agreeing to whoever, it's not that hard. You know, it's like, yeah, it's uh, like having a perfect voting record means nothing if someone else does it too. And they yeah. happen to be the one who told you to vote for all those people. Yeah. Yeah, that's like basically my take there. It's just that's the thing is it's just it's more likely that I think that there's just a straight up bitter mean jury than there is uh, mm-hmm. Liana winning or something like that. So let's relevant to that. Let's jump to Liana. Who... Yeah, I, I think we forgot to be like Heather didn't really do anything this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was nowhere. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, did, did she speak? <laughs> she had. She pointed out Shan's song. Oh yeah, yeah. She actually had a great moment, right? Zero like, did on yeah. that right away. But that's it. That's all she really did. Yeah. It's a good moment. If you're gonna have one, have one mm-hmm. that will definitely like. I bet in four years from now, when no one remembers anything about this season, they'll use that gif or you know that clip to to show like a funny thing. What's just thinking over there? Yeah. So, um. In reality, I mean, Heather might end up with more um, screen time in the broader survivor discussion, like community discussion, than I'd say at least three of these people. You think so? Hmm. I think that clip will stand the test of time. Okay. (laughs) I do. Um, And that'll, that'll, she'll be on the screen at least. Um, So that brings us here to Liana. In a way, not a bad episode for Liana. And I had a lot of difficulty deciding whether Liana failed or passed the over Heather test. She was the one that I was like, you can kind of squint and see a world where Shan leaves and Liana becomes Shan. Natalie Anderson style. All season, I think we did a pretty good job of talking about how Evie and Shan were very analogous to uh, Josh and Jeremy and San Juan del Sur. If anybody is going to be the Natalie, I think it would be Liana. That said, Mm -hmm. I think it's probably more likely as like a losing finalist or something. Yeah, I think there's a great place for that theory. But that last episode was just so, I hate Xander focus. Like, it's so out of place because we got none of that this episode. It was like a different Liana. And it's just that inconsistency sort of was like... Like, it's so weird because I've lost Nasir, I've lost Shan. Like, I should still have Liana up there, who is someone I was considering all throughout. And she was almost last for me. Like, it was close. I was like, I I just think Liana is so strongly a losing finalist at this point. Right. I mean, to me, the thing with the losing, I, I totally see the world where she's a losing finalist. The issue is like, okay, so what's the payoff with Xander, right? It's Is it that she gets him out? Because I feel like this story always ends in the other person winning. You know what I mean? Like, 
uh, Joe outlives Stephen Fishback, and you know, like uh, Dominic outlives Chris Noble, and and that sort of thing, right? Like, I don't know. I think it's just sort of shown to show how she's not always playing the most optimal game. It's instead yeah. a game that's easily sidetracked. Yeah. And maybe I feel like maybe like there'll be this irony where like Liana's not even on the vote to get Xander out. That I could see that happening, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I'm kind of right there with you. It's the thing with Liana, Joe, I think, is that like we're supposed to like her. Like, I think we are. The issue is of all these relationships, right? You have of relationships standing the most in-depth one, uh, what you're going to be fighting between D- Danny, Deshaun, and Rick, uh, and sorry, and Liana and Xander. And I think by a lot, it's Liana and Xander. Um, so I think this, this season has been really good at paying off stories. So that matters. The issue is that story ends in Liana getting wrecked by Xander. <laughs> um, right? Like, that's how that, that's how you end that story. And Xander's got an idol. And like, I would say Liana is the overwhelming favorite to get idled out by Xander. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I still think Xander's idol is one that, because of its its known, people just play around it. And I don't think, like, Xander will have the opportunity to, like, target his idol. Right. But, okay, so next week, right? I mean, Liana just got split on. Do you not think it's possible she gets split on again and leaves from Xander's idol? I guess that's true. Like, she, yeah, she would make sense as a, as a contender. Eh, or not a contender, like a person to go. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it is like, it, there's so much there. Like it is now our most complicated relationship in the game. At the, you know, and there's multiple episodes to go. Um, So it, it's a clear rivalry. They It, it seems kind of one-sided, right? Like, mm-hmm. but we've also seen it kind of go back and forth. Liana has a confession where she says, actually, I, I, I'm going to work with Xander. I guess, Joe, do you think there's a world where somehow Liana and Xander are in fire making together? Hmm. How does that even happen? I guess it would be Xander going on a run. Yeah, I think that's possible. Like, whatever it is, like, their their fates are two sides of the same coin, right? Like, they're the Batman to the other's Joker or whatever. And it, it's, it's hard to place what that means because it, it hasn't been, I hate Xander, I hate Xander, grr. It's been like, I like Xander, I don't, I like him, I don't, uh, I hate his face. Now Xander's gone for three episodes. Like, it's been, <laughs> it's, it's been very rocky. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know what that means. That's why I'm like also not very like despite its prevalence i'm just not like sure if it's going to resolve in a meaningful way for both of them i don't know yeah my my top theories would be like something along the lines of xander idols at liana second liana xander fire making somehow third liana xander losing finalists together (laughs) question mark um i don't know where else you really get a relationship like the other would be maybe they work together or something i don't know but Mm -hmm. um there's something weird there because it's like our biggest story thread left um yeah like yeah it's you... weird that they're just the last two of yasa and they're yeah. they have this weird story i don't know yeah especially because i feel like neither of them have much of a shot um <laughs> but i have Leon a lot higher than you do like to me it's like it's just because there is a world where it is inherited and uh, i think missing out on that like if liana won and i had her last and it's like She's now CPP5 talking about her childhood and everything like that next week. Like, I could easily see her skyrocket up. So I'm like, I don't want to have her at eight and then go to three next week if that's what's going to happen. Um, but again, it's like very, very little odds. 
there. Yeah, I think I think I'm at a point where that last episode, plus sort of the context of it amidst other things, um, has sort of always kept Leon at the bottom. She's someone who could have really good episodes, and I just wouldn't like I wouldn't think higher of her. Right. No, and that's like that's the line, right? Like at so, uh, a certain degree, it's like it, even if like that's the thing is like if next week they're starting to pitch Liana as like the best player and she's gonna win or whatever. That would actually maybe make me think losing finalist more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I could say that. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting for sure. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I really like her. I thought she had an amazing scene there with Shan. Like, that was so good. Mm-hmm. And her story's great. They've done a really good job telling it, I think, the whole way. Uh, of wanting to be the best, but also being very human. Right? And it's this beautiful battle between being cutthroat and being playing big and and not being able to because of other people because how you feel about other people they've done an amazing job i think with liana yeah i feel like they've given a lot more content to her character than they needed to and that's in a good way where it actually showed this really complicated story of someone who's a big character throughout yeah um so you go liana uh, I, like, I'd be happy to see Liana, uh, 2.0 for sure. Um, so let's jump here to Ricard, star of the episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. so good. I love him. Uh, he's now my favorite left. I mean, Rip Shan, Shan's still number one, but, um, <laughs> what, like, I, I just, there should be a Ricard on every single season of Survivor. What do you mean by that? Somebody that is willing to be, because, okay, the calculation he's making here is I will place okay if I stick with the five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he's thinking, but he's he's trying to find angles to win. He's scooping up people on the bottom that are being neglected in Erica and Heather. Uh, he gets somebody crying to him uh, about how much he means to them, and he 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 he's not cold or mean about it. But he that's a clue to him that he can no longer work with them, right? That they have this tight bond. Like if like that's the thing is, so if Shan just immediately came to him with no hesitation and it was no emotion, it was just like, okay, here's the plan. We're going after them. I think he reacts differently than a very conflicted Shan coming to him and opening his eyes that, oh, she can save me for now, but not the future. And not enough players in Survivor. This is how you get your Ghost Islands. This is how you get your Pagongs. Think about, okay, what about two rounds from now? Am I screwed? Is what I'm doing right now not going to have, I'm not going to have any room to move in two rounds? Ricard got that or gets that, I guess. And massive credit to him. Every season should have somebody willing to actually think about the future, actually be able to make moves not play safe like he's a super fan who wants to play well not just glide by okay okay i get you wouldn't you argue that all players could be like that all players should be should be like okay him, yeah. you just kept putting it like one player i was like no 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 like i think as you... many people on the cast as possible yeah should be that way yeah i was gonna say you probably want more than one i think yeah, probably the ideal is maybe like a lot of those Definitely mix in some people who don't know the game so well and but like want to win like that Brad energy. Mm-hmm. Like right. No, like, I agree. Like Brad's and Ricards and Deshaun's and like get that. Like like it's a good like this is a fire cast, right? Um mm-hmm. and the the big thing is uh, to make my point uh, in a bow, it's people who want to win more than they want to place well, right? Like mm-hmm. they want the money, they want not even the money, but they want to win survivor. They want to they care about the win equity, not coming seventh or eighth, right? Like Ricard might leave now 
next week, and he still has a better chance of winning then than if if he <laughs> went to sixth. You know, like yeah. it's a weird thing to think about, but you don't win more like just because you're at sixth doesn't mean you're better than seventh. Uh, in the game of Survivor, like it would be in a sucker tournament. That's one thing that's inherently weird about Survivor is often the second placer is one of the worst players on the cast in Survivor. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as for Ricard's edit, I just think, I think it's like I said earlier, like a great character who has been mistreated by the edit. And I think the thing that really drags me down is almost this personal sense of like, if he wins with this, like, what were you doing in those middle episodes? survivor editors like there's not not the the stuff there to make it work i think yeah no it's it's straight up that right like ricard if he won would maybe be the best winner of all time right like man went to every tribal just about um so he's got like the denise stapley but was the the lead strategist of the duo uh came in at like after actually made these huge moves they swung back and forth on their original tribe did uh gets out shan his number one ally it's not even a duo carrying the game it's he cuts his you know like if this wins it's like he is the it's the biggest coronation right like i think they would literally present this as your like your like survivor alien comes to comes to survivor and is able to just play better than anyone we've ever seen play the game and the fact that he hasn't got that he's been i think he now is less visible than erica or close to it it's really really bad mm -hmm. i think it's just like a combination like i can look back and despite ricard being this like great player in a great position right now there's like why why do we not get this sentiment earlier that I mean we talked earlier in the season like Ricard and Shan are clearly like a two why are they not saying that and it's because they weren't a two they had this clear plan of like we're not a final two we're gonna work together until it doesn't work out I'm sure one of those two enunciated that earlier on in the season but we mm -hmm. were not given that um why did you like completely ignore him on the challenge where he won immunity and might have been going home otherwise in the merge episode. Why did we have Papaya Gate so negatively in his favor? Like, all these little moments, they just... Like, if Ricard's winning, I know you don't need to make it this glowing coronation, but it's... It's an under edit almost. Like we didn't get enough for the character that he is. Yeah. No, and like I get where people are coming from. It's like in Samadal Sir, right? If like a lot of people, I think their take is, and maybe they're right, it's that, you know, Shan and Ricard, even though Ricard's great, he's not as dynamic as Shan. No one, no one is. Uh, and so they're giving him behind like, you know, backseat kind of treatment and then when she leaves he's gonna spike and be what we saw but i think they just present them more as a duo like show them laughing or have that scene with them talking about final two we know they've talked about that they just said they talked about it the whole time mm -hmm. the fact that it's not there i just like I, I just don't know if i see it they they were more bickering than they were conflicted um i can kind of see where people get there it's just, I, I think that's underselling how great Ricard's been, honestly. Like, yeah. even just, like, in the first episode, like, having him be, like, more willing to let Sarah go and, and like, you know what I mean? Like, have it be more about that. Like, have it be more about Shan wanting Ricard to herself. Like, mm -hmm. do, like Wendell in uh, Ghost Island, it's Dominic's in trouble. He's rubbing people the wrong way. I'm going to put a lot of effort into him so that we're a tight duo for the rest of the season, right? Like, we don't get that in episode one for Shan and Ricard. And that's still looming over it, especially now, especially that it's like this 
brutal Shakespearean end to their friendship. Yep, I agree with all that. Just not not the right stuff to add up to an edit. Which makes me have no idea where he's going. I almost think he's a losing finalist, and that would break my heart. But uh, hmm. I, I think that might be what we're seeing. It's, I mean, sh- he'll get Shan's vote, but it seems like maybe he's just, he'll get the strategy stuff and that's it. Um, and they'll be like, you're a game bot. I feel like I could see him going like, probably not next vote. I think this new majority holds tight and we lose one of Danny, Deshaun, and Liana. But I think after that, he might be in danger. We did see a, an emergence of, we have a new rivalry, right? We have Ricard versus Danny. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not sure. Both of those feel like people who could leave next week. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I feel like it pays off. Like, I feel like I would bet one of Danny or Ricard would leave next week. Um, um, I don't know which one and that makes it tricky, but yeah, it's just like, it's it probably, if I had to guess, I think I'm going with, it's the story of how he turns on Shannon leaves soon after, you know, it's maybe immediately after, uh, we've seen that before, right? Like, um, hmm. Uh, Survivor Africa has that, right? Um, and I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a classic, classic Survivor thing is the person who flips the, they're disposed of the next time. Um, yeah. It's like that in Edge of Extinction. There's just yeah. this long line of people who flip and then go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, so, I, ugh, man, I just, I, I wish Ricard got better treatment here. Because mm-hmm. he steals scenes. That's the thing is, even like, I love Natalie Anderson. I get why she was quiet in Samuel Dulcer compared to Jeremy. I think it made a lot of sense. Her story was about revenge, right? Like, whereas Ricard, his story's not about revenge. Like, why would, like, that's the thing I'm missing is, in what world is Ricard getting a torch passed to him? He's the one who pulled the trigger. Yeah, he's the one who, like, (laughs) threw the torch or made the torch bear go away. Like, like he burned down the camp, but he didn't, (laughs) like, he didn't, he's not picking up a torch. Like, Mm -hmm. Natalie's story was about learning from Jeremy, right? Like, that's the torch. There's, they were friends and then he voted her out is not, is not a torch getting passed. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I've never, like, I almost want to put him second just to, like, will it into existence, you know? Um, But I, I don't see it. I really don't. And I must be genuine, so... Mm-hmm. I have him really high because I guess I don't have enough faith in Survivor not to do him dirty this way. <laughs> like, I it, see... it would be an all-time screw-up, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I could see them doing it, and then I could see at the end where we're like, oh, the worst edits of the season. Well, here's an easy one. Um, Quick thought experiment. Joe, which winner do you... Th- like? Because I actually think for the most part, the winners are kind of represented well in terms of what their actual contribution was. So say this is a story, like zoom to the future, Ricard wins. What's off the top of your head, the current winner that's the most like that? And like, why didn't they show us them more? The current winner. Yes. Like, does that mean like a recent winner or? No, just in Survivor history, which winner is the one that matches that idea the most of like, they could have done so much more. Okay. Um, I was thinking, who does it match to Ricard? Which I was thinking like Chris Doherty, maybe like this sort of quieter pre-merge, but that ramps up because he's like 
the last one surviving and they need to showcase that. Um, Chris is actually a great pick there. I feel like the other Chris, Chris Underwood, like, I don't know. I guess if you do that any more to that, do you like then oversell it? And like, it's obvious that Chris is coming back and winning. Um, See, huh. My brain right, right away uh, for like in terms of winners who are under shown in their season, I think first is I think Parvati in Micronesia. That was one I was kind of thinking of too. She's really quiet in the pre-merge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a, a comparison I would give to people who are like, um, like Erica, right? Like who are like, what? There would never be a winner like that. And like, I think like Parvati is actually pretty close. Right. Um, but I think in terms of like winner, who's maybe the most quiet in terms of like it not quite matching up, like, to me, the answer is probably Sophie. Like, oh. if Ricard wins, it would be akin to Sophie. But, like, it's, like, different charisma. Like, I love Sophie, but, like, she's mm-hmm. not going to bring it to scenes the same way Ricard can. Like, yeah. I think, yes, Sophie's edit does not reflect her impact and sort of agency throughout that season, but it's a good place for her to be for good TV, I think. Yeah. I agree with like, that. I think if you like, if you like give Sophie more content in South Pacific, it's a, an even stranger season. <laughs> and very obvious there's something going on. Right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like I, I agree. Like to me, that's the thing is like there, the, the, the thought experiment really for like, it was kind of a, a sneaky, sneaky question. I think the answer is there is not one for the most part. I think they kind of match what you'd expect. Yeah, Obviously they do a good job. Natalie. Sure. Like, she probably deserves more, but it's not like, like there's no world. I think anyone, even like the biggest Natalie white diehards think that she should have been the main character. Well, I think it's, it's about what you expect. Right. So like, I think at that point, especially in survivor, that's what you're expecting is yeah. sort of this come from behind winner. Like, I don't know. It is a tricky balance. Cause they have to make it like this mystery and you either make this very captivating story by making, committing to Natalie White as your main character and really just spoiling that she's going to win essentially or you do this sort of sneaky sneaky thing and don't give her a confessional until episode 4 and then wrap the story up as neatly as you can like yeah like because that's the thing is like for the most part they, they do their job well right like they like the winners that are more visible there's definitely a gender bias uh but and like stuff like that but generally they're they do i think a fairly good job of like you know the more quieter winners are like bob and wendell and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, danny none of these are your top tier winners right um the only one that I think probably does deserve more in that pre-merge is Parvati. Um, but it's because Sari was getting all the content, right? Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why, um, mm-hmm. Sari and Amanda basically took it. So, um, and Parvati was an unknown going into the season, basically. Right. She right. Is. So, uh, it makes a whole lot more sense. And she obviously picks up huge and, um, some great moments in that season. But yeah, that, that's the thing is for me, it's just like, they usually match it to their charisma level and uh, Ricard's way too charismatic to be uh, this quiet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess speaking of too charismatic to be this quiet, (laughs) another episode where Xander's not on the TV show. Randomly. I I talked about like why this battle between Liana and Xander for last place on my list. And Liana is in dire straits for me, as I've explained. But Xander's episode here was maybe one of the worst ever in terms of winner edit. And he's already so low. 
and like he's i think number two on uh our edric for me i our edric do your thing but for me like wow this episode was bad for (laughs) it's just the episode does not care when or the season does not care when xander is in danger they're like oh well other people to focus on time like never mind that xander literally should be playing his idol now to stay alive um never mind that xander doesn't have a vote on yasa and would go next like they just don't care to explore those storylines ever yeah there's like like we <laughs> all season we've been talking about how survivor loves their winner being under fire right and, and finding a way out that's like the the winner story if you're gonna mm. like put it in an algorithm and it shakes it all up and the AI determines what a winner story looks like. The number one thing has got to be, I don't know, comparing something to your job. And then number two has got to be uh, being in under fire at some point and thinking your way out of it. Um, like even the bad winners have that, you know, like like the quote unquote bad winners like Natalie White has totally has that with she's the spy for Galoo and stuff like that. Like even even the, the ones that they clearly don't like get that. And you're right. Like. Xander just like it's like oh yeah he's in danger but yeah it's Xander it's like fine though like he, maybe you can kind of read the clues he's in danger but like mm-hmm. maybe he's not who cares like yeah and he just vanishes like that's the other thing right he's just um yeah he's one that shocks me that is is this pop like all the other ones I get it like if you're gonna advocate hard for Liana or Deshaun or Danny or Ricard or Heather I get it I'm like I'm with you I, I'm I'm on a different horse. I get it. I I want to speak to more Xander people because I I want to see what they see. Um, I see somebody that is very relevant when literally he's making a huge move. Like, and otherwise is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it made sense for him to pick up after that string of episodes. Where I could see if if you're not rewatching, if you're not doing a podcast that's hours every week, you might not be like, oh, Xander had really bad episodes in the pre-merge, like, but he looks really good now. So, um, but I I am curious what you're doing after this episode because yeah, no confessionals when there's this whole implied storyline of like, well, Xander's playing as idol, so he doesn't, and he doesn't. He... Joe, he doesn't get to say, oh, all the, like, because you know, because he didn't play it, that he would would have filmed a confessional saying, everybody's telling me to play it, so I'm not gonna, just mm-hmm. like he did in that awesome scene with Liana, right, when, he, when he's bluffing, like, he's so good at that stuff, we've seen that. Yeah. And nothing. We don't know why he didn't play it. Maybe he forgot it at Tribal. Maybe he, we don't know. Like, maybe he thought he was leaving and he lost the idol or, or something. Like, we have no <laughs> idea. We have no concept because he didn't tell us because it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's got three episodes where he has zero confessionals. By the way, mm-hmm. the same, like, for all the people being like, Erica, too invisible in the pre-merge, uh, too many episodes where she's not there. Joe, guess how many episodes uh, Erica had zero confessionals? Also three? Also three, the same amount as Xander, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, like, Xander's been to more tribals, Xander's been on the underdog tribe, Xander's been surrounded by more of the big characters, and he's the one who dips off. Also, like, it's just... 
he's he's like the perennial underdog who's very captivating that's the other thing like he's he just flipped the vote to save himself right like he didn't need the idol he's in a majority could yeah. totally see, see this being flipped to be oh no I, I, it's me against anybody like similar to the Tiffany like find a crew member line you can have the same thing where he's like oh my god I need to do whatever I need to do to live oh Eric and Heather they're also on the bottom let's go but nothing mm-hmm. like the whole like if he's winning the story should be much much closer to like Mike Holloway mm-hmm. and it is nothing of the sort so and the other thing is like okay even just like gimmies right so uh xander wins a reward with heather they are speaking off camera the whole time he just votes and gets new life in the game by working with heather Mm -hmm. we we don't need to see what they're talking about at all they have no relationship or what like they're clearly working together and we know xander can speak like really charismatically about rewards like give him content about the reward it's apparently we forgot about this the best reward all season yeah first off that did not look like the best reward all season that was on edge of extinction with infamous (laughs) survivor pizza like in like half darkness that was not the best reward of all season. But second, Xander could have made it sound like it was the best reward all season. Right. Like, the, <laughs> one of the themes we should have added is Jeff Probst just, anytime he uses hyperbole, it's so wrong, right? Like, that's maybe the lingering theme of the season. It's like, the greatest comeback in Survivor history. <laughs> they, they still lose. Like, the greatest <laughs> reward of all time. And it's, yeah, they're like, in a closet on a beach like (laughs) yeah you're right like in a way that's actually a fantastic thing right like one thing that also again if you're going to put them in the algorithm that spouts out winners is like cringily praising rewards that suck you know like sophie with jack and jill or um you know like that's a part of it right um like Whoever loves the, the like, uh, Ben loves his Outback Steakhouse or whatever. Um, Sandra, it's, we're her and her army vet husband who's away in Afghanistan, by the way. I'm going to go on monologue about that. That's where we eat dinner. I want to go on this reward so bad. Like, that's a, that's a classic as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, nothing for the best reward of the season. Yeah. I should have mentioned this. I eliminated all four of those people after that scene. I'm like, <laughs> there's no world where we get this no context reward. That's apparently the best one. We don't even, we don't even get to see what the sanctuary is. <laughs> we have no concept of what it is. Um, yeah. I think there's always something where it's like, okay, it's a reward challenge. Cut to commercial, but right after commercial, you should be going to the group that matters more. And we went back to the beach with like Erica, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun. Not the best reward ever. So, yeah, like obviously we get one fun scene there, I guess. Like you get the, um, like, but it's, it's about, it's about the other two and it's purely game. Like that could have taken place on the beach. Like you have, other than that you see the pizza boxes kind of like you have no idea what they're doing yeah there was a post on the main survivor subreddit that was like i wish we had seen more of blank and it was like the title was edited to avoid spoilers but the blank was the survivor pizza so we could compare it to how the other survivor pizzas have been yeah yeah we did like we know i mean we also learned that he's a vegetarian mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like like he doesn't get to confirm that Wait, i guess he's not a vegetarian because he ate that stew last oh yeah you're right <laughs> so yeah i kind of contradiction right 
Um, it's just, it's so like, it's like, you know, the Nietzsche quote where it's like, if you stare into the abyss, it stares back at you. Like, I feel like that's Xander. It's just like, like, what are they doing with him? Like they have this amazing underdog. I feel like the survivor casuals love him. If you go on Facebook, like he's got so many good qualities. Why, why is he invisible? It may, like, I think the this is what I think one not giving Ricard enough or like, but even Ricard is like, fine. If he leaves next week, I get it. Right. I think maybe the biggest sin is why is Xander's story terrible? Like that's like the biggest sin of this season. I think. Yeah. I, I'm very perplexed as to what that, what that means. Like maybe he's the one who goes in the twist. Like that could totally be how it works. Yeah. I could, I could see it. I really could. Um, where like, there's something weird. Like what? Like, they, like, want us to like him, but not that much. Like, uh, I just, it, it's very weird. I feel like we haven't seen this, like, neutral underdog before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, even a Michael Yerger, who I think is the best comparison in general to Xander, got so much more, like, story and flavor text, right? Xander's is, Xander's story reads like a textbook, and even Michael Yerger's was, like, the Mololo curse and overcoming it and... Uh, like he got the funeral music when he was leaving and that sort of stuff. Right. Like, yeah. Xander's good. Like, you don't know who this man is other than he's <laughs> clever, right? Like, you know, he's clever. And, and other than that, not, not a whole lot. Um, so I think that's the biggest sin of the season. Cause he, he, I mean, he gets big episodes, but he gets really small episodes too. And even those big episodes don't really tell you who he is. Um, they're, they're him doing things. Yeah. Very tied to, if not advantages, just the game of the season, which like, that's yeah. good, obviously, but we want more and more consistent, yeah. more consistency. Yeah. I guess Joe, like, where do you think he's going? Like, I, this is probably just like stereotyping. I don't think he could be the fire making loser. Um, that seems unlikely because he's jungle boy adjacent, but I, I kind of think maybe he could go next, which would be wild to have him go with advantages in his pocket. And I like don't a think weird so. Elimination twist. I, that would, like, I, I really do think he is going to be, my guess is I think he's going to be the first vote in the finale. Yeah. I think maybe fifth, maybe sixth. That Leona yeah. versus Xander fire making thing isn't wild either, but I would think Leona's winning. I don't really yeah. see him as a finalist. He'd be a weird losing finalist. Um, I think like, unless they just don't want us to like, like if he's the one who gets robbed, maybe in their minds, like if it's Erica, Heather Xander and Erica wins, you could see yeah. a world where they're mad about that and think Xander should have won. But still, I think you, but like, then you're always playing this weird line of like, if Xander loses, it's not because he's a giant dick, right? Like you can get that with Russell or coach Xander might be harder to sell as like giant douchebag, you know, like, I think um, you could do more like maybe he's nice, but like do something to show why people aren't voting for him. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like I, I don't really, I don't really see it unless it's just like they say, say he's childish. Cause that's the one thing we do have. We have that. Yeah. That scene where Liana reads his stuff and like if that happens, like I could see him getting like clowned on in the jury. But like realistically, I think it's so much more likely that he like when I think of people in the finale, I actually like and obviously we try to guess where people are going and stuff like that. We, I think, both are in agreement. Like, there's no such thing as a seventh place edit. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they tell the story, and then oftentimes people who end up seventh will have a similar trajectory just based on how the game works more than anything, right? Um, 
my only thing for like finale, what I look for is like that opening montage where they're like, um, Tommy, the diplomat or, uh, Lauren, the sneaky player or what, you know what I mean? Like where they try mm-hmm. to tell like a brief intro, like other than that, that's like the only thing that co- like unites finale people. Um, Xander totally makes sense as your Victoria or, or, or something like that, who you go in, like a lot of people are probably going to want to win. They leave early enough in the night that they're not crying about it by the end. Like you're like, Oh, let's go Xander. Or like a Jay stare it, you know, like it's like, Oh, let's go Jay. You're going in there. Like, Oh, I think Jay could do it. Like he just, needs to win two challenges he's the first boot that night and by the time final trump council rolls out you've kind of forgotten that you're sad he left yeah but that's my pick yeah and, i would see like like six surface yeah uh and yeah i'd say not fourth i feel like because it just seems wrong. Mm-hmm. um and so i guess that yeah, that brings us here to shan rip queen um absolute star I was so sad. Like midway through the episode, I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no! Please, shit, start talking about the idol. Please mention your idol, something." Yeah, but sad. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard for like what I can take away from this in the future. Because I think, I feel like in seasons past, what I've, what I sort of said with Shan this season is like, yeah, there's bits of like contradiction I'm picking up on. But in past seasons, that's where I've been off is that I've gotten too deep into the imperfections of a otherwise like stellar edit. And so now am I supposed to like go back the other way and be like, ah, no, there were all these bits and pieces of meanness. I don't know. It's hard to tell me like what what tips me off to Shan not winning before oh, this point. I, I mean, I, I I can't speak there. I can speak to what tipped me off against it. Mm-hmm. Like um, coming in, I forget what round it was where I basically was like, I'm borderline eliminating her. It was uh, on it was the merge episode. That's what it was. It was the is the fake merge episode. And it was one, it was that she got sidelined, right? Um, mm-hmm. She became less important. And I think anytime, anytime a front runner like that gets a cool down, it means it's over to me. Um, I did bring her back in when I was like, who the hell's left? But at no point was I like, I still was like, it still feels wrong. Like, um, like I had her fifth on episode eight, for example. Um, yeah. And for me, the, the unifying thing there is it's, she became less relevant at the merge. I think it's the, the single biggest thing. I, I wasn't really looking for the contradictions and stuff like that. Cause I think, yeah, like honestly, it wasn't until they said bulldoze and I was like, oh, that sounds like Ben. Other than that, I was like not really seeing it. And I think part of it is that um, it's the contradictions. Part of it's the little bit of negativity. But I think overall you were meant to like her. Like, I think that was that was the intention. Mm-hmm. Um for me, the lesson moving forward is just um, realize that, like, like pay attention to the clues. Like, I think it's more the narrative, right? This would have been a really weird season for Shan to win all about um, how the game doesn't matter. When she's, be- you know, like, when, when you do have the, those story threads to me, like, like, Ben, like, Triple H is all about secrets. That's really advantageous story for somebody who barrels in from the outside and doesn't have to work with anybody and just kind of plays idols, right? A story about keeping things to yourself and surprises and shocks is another way to say secrets, right? Because uh, when a secret becomes exposed, that's a surprise or an idol is a surprise or whatever, right? What have you. Um, this season is about how being vulnerable and let, not being as much of a game player matters and how trying hard matters, not being great. And that's why I kind of sold my Shan stock. Um, 
So I think it's just paying attention to the broader context, I guess. Yeah, I think that's kind of it, is when when it really started to focus on not good gameplay would be, like, a central focus of this. And to have someone who still is in such a boldly strategic direction and not having like anything not really work out for them. I think that could have helped Shan there, but yeah, I think that's maybe where I got to. I know. I think by then too, it was so like, she was so clearly far and away the front runner that like it, it, I don't know. I got really stuck into it and huh, it's just a, it's a hard one to to put into place, I think. But yeah. Well, I mean, so, OK, so let's go to like quick thought experiment here. So we have uh, a couple seasons under our belt, right? So I would mm. say if you had to sum up um, Ghost Island, that's a story where early on we flagged that story was about little things, paying attention to small things. All season, we were bringing up that scene with Wendell and the conch with Sebastian as the defining thing, right? Like, how little things can have big impact. Like, paying attention to small details will will make people feel closer to you. And then, obviously, Wendell, the guy who's building things and, and being appreciative and thoughtful, beats the big, big player, right? That's how that season ends. Is we, I think, correctly identified it's about being thoughtful and thinking about small things. Um, Nick, uh, I feel like um, David vs. Goliath is a story that is a lot about um, growing into being bigger, right? Um, like, fixing your mistakes, how uh, being a David can be very hard, and how actually going through struggle can make you stronger. Or how Nick was able to go from the first bit to reformatting how he approaches the game and life and everything like that. Um, with Chris, I feel like uh, Edge of Extinction is all about second chances and breathing new life into things. Um, like, I think all these seasons, uh, they kind of tell us, like, there's that confessional in um, Edge of Extinction where David's talking about dating. And he's like, you know, I can never figure out the, the best way to do it. But since I played Survivor, I, I'm able to go on dates more confidently and that sort of thing. Um, like I think all of the seasons we covered, the story actually has kind of pointed to the winner. And obviously it's picking the right one. Um, I think they kind of tell you whether you're looking for a good winner or not. And to me, at one point, I cut bait because I was like, it's telling us we're not getting the good winner. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good explanation of it. And I, I think going forward, what I'd like to at least try to do, at least as sort of like a thought experiment, if not maybe a little more looking into how I evaluate people is to, because I think we're really good at nailing down the stories pretty early and sort of looking at those stories and then really looking at each one and being like, who has the best winner story if this is the story of the whole season at large? And then sort of going with those contenders and and like leading forward with that instead of really going on edit and sort of consistency and avoiding contradiction and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because you want to do both, right? Like, I don't know, like they're, it's, a, it's a tricky thing for a reason, but yeah, like I, I totally get why um, people were very convinced of Shan. I'm a little surprised how convinced, like, I, I feel like we saw like, is this again, the biggest surprise since Marcus and Gabon? And I do not think that's the case. Like, uh, like there's been way more glowing people. Like, I feel like most, like nobody was like, Shan is, I mean, I, I, I some people were, but you know, Shan is getting the greatest winner at it of all time. It was still like, it's kind of weird that people are saying she's super selfish, but maybe that doesn't matter. Right. So I don't really get the like object, um, sky falling kind of zone. Right. It's like, yeah, the 
kind of complex, messy person left at eight. That totally tracks. I think it was she fit into a lot of standard budget guidelines, like was getting a lot of the right things. And that like wealth of those things were able to sort of brush away the little things that weren't adding up. Maybe like this is just they're brute forcing the story outside of really what the story is are telling us. And yeah, I think that got a lot of people and especially in a season where it feels like everyone else is flawed in some way. Like the one that wasn't so off base felt like the one to go for. No, and I totally get that. Like, yeah, to be, I I totally get thinking she's going to win. I don't get being like mortified. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like even okay, the discussion, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, even on here, like, like you, like you were definitely higher on Shan than I was, but at no point were you like, Shan is getting like the coronet, like Tommy style even, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. she's still messy, right? Like, even if she wins, it's going to be like overcoming like a mad jury or something. Or like, there's a, there's a air, air of darkness behind it anyway, that I don't know why people can't jump over the, yeah, it, it's, it's. People thought that this darkness was brushed over in the end, and actually it was why she left early. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it is more of just a, like, on the basis of the edit alone, it's such a gap between her and the next person that I think that's really throwing people for a loop. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, that's everybody here. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's jump here to MVP Joe. Who's the MVP this week? I think, I mean, despite... His low edit, like Xander, like continuing oh. to like know exactly how to play, like <laughs> is just so impressive to me. And it's it just really uh, emphasizes the lack of content we're getting from him. Like these are like all star like moves that he's doing and we're not getting that. We're not getting any rationale for it. So that was going to be my pick as well, which is hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> 100%. Like, man is in a majority not having to idle, and everybody told him not to play it. That's a really good spot to be in. I think this is an example of a really good under-the-radar game. And the other contender would be Ricard. And I do... Oh, yeah. I honestly think that Ricard should have voted out Danny or Deshaun instead. I think the move makes sense. I think that the answer maybe isn't Shan... It, it might be the other two, but they have, she has an idol, I think is the, the complicating factor there. Mm-hmm. And probably she, he probably can't get movement on the, on anyone else. So. Yeah. It was a good time to make some sort of move because I mean, even if you get Liana, then you still can sneak into that four as a, before and then have the majority going forward yeah but then you have to wrestling you're wrestling with shan's idol left in the game yeah, like, that's true i think you'd have to do it on either deshaun or shan and i that's the thing is like i think he's second it's just he might be first i don't know i'll go ricard because he went xander and the reason for that is just he had to make a move and there is two options maybe it was too difficult or, or would too much backfire potential if he tries to get Erica and Heather on Deshaun. Um, that maybe it's not viable, but if, if I mean, if Erica and Heather end up working with him, I mean, I think it means that, that he should have, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. LVP, Joe. I think Deshaun, like, I know, I don't know, like, I don't think this is a good move for him. Like, I feel like the opportunities to get Shan out are better if he does it in the late game. Yeah. Like, like here, it really feels like he got Shan out, but now, like, he's in the minority for sure. Like, I feel like Erica, Heather, Xander, Ricard will go against him. And, I mean, that's also Danny's fault, too, but it just feels like Deshaun made the... Or Deshaun... <laughs> Deshaun. Deshaun made the worst move here. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from there. I think my vote is... I think it's 
Heather? Question mark. Um, <laughs> do wrong. She like why she voted no, Shan. Uh, I mean, I guess Shan's targeted her. Never mind. That's a terrible answer. Um, <laughs> I, I I hate to say it. It's Liana, right? She exposes. She's yeah. the reason Shan leaves and gets split on, and her alliance doesn't trust her anymore. Mm-hmm. It sucks that it was like a genuine emotional moment, but yeah, it, it really was a terrible mistake. Liana's a better answer. I just think from this point forward, Liana's actually in a better place as sort of this lone agent as opposed to yeah. Deshaun. Yeah, it's just like Liana clearly screwed up. And yeah, yeah, that's actually twice her game screws up because she tells Shan too much with the advantage early on, right? With the steal and mm-hmm. idol. Um, so that's interesting as yeah. well. Okay, next boot, Joe. Who is it? Let's say Ricard. <laughs> I think you might I can't believe we're both going to pick her. We're going to pick Ricard again and he's going to win immunity. Um <laughs> I'm going to go with Danny. Mm-hmm. Winner, I think we both have, uh, to some degree, uh, similar lists. I think we have a different order of the of the other people. Yeah. Um, so I have Xander last. I have, um, I have Deshaun second last. I have Liana third last. Uh, then Ricard, then Danny, then Heather, then Erica, who I think is our winner. I have... Xander last, then Liana, so that's... Oh, Xander last is the same. But then we switched to Sean and Liana. I have Liana sixth, Deshaun fifth. Ricard and Danny are switched, so Danny's fourth. Ricard's third. Heather's in second. Who... Who would have thought we've we've come here? Yeah, and honestly, Joe, I I, <laughs> I should have Ricard third. Um, I think that was a little foolhardy there to move it. So I'm gonna say, yeah, my top three: it's Erica, Heather, Ricard. Because maybe they're stupid and shows to <laughs> under edit Ricard. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's our show. Oh, Erica number one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Erica, number one, I, honestly, both our charts are kind of ugly with uh, big gray boxes underneath one person. Um, <laughs> but whatever, that's that's the, that's showbiz, baby. Anyways, that's our show. Um, thanks for listening, folks. And uh, it's been awesome. You can email us at the winner edit at gmail dot com. Uh, Joe always posts it on our edgic and our Reddit uh, or our, our Reddit? survivor, <laughs> our survivor. It's like, I'll um, try to take this. For what you will. Yeah, all, all of Reddit. We just post on the whole. We actually have a direct line to the homepage. Um, so yeah, if you, if you have any any thoughts on the show or on Toughest Nails, definitely DM us. Um, yeah, and anything you want to add, Joe? No, I think that's good. We'll see you for next episode. Will Savage Crew Dirty Hands get another victory? Yeah. Oh, the only other thing is uh, I was looking at our analytics, and it looks like we have a lot of people just listening. Uh, I, I suppose new listeners on SoundCloud. So definitely use Apple Podcasts, use uh, Pocket Casts. So uh, we we got a good split fifty fifty there, but. Uh, Definitely, if you're listening every week on SoundCloud, it's a whole lot more convenient, probably, if you listen on a podcatcher. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Does, like, SoundCloud have, like, an app? Like, does. Maybe they're doing it that way. But, yeah, like, maybe, yeah. maybe they are. I don't know. But the that's, cool thing that's is, a... like, yeah, you can put it on that, and then you can listen to, like, all these other cool podcasts. Yeah. Like, love a podcast. Love a podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's our show. Uh, farewell. See you next week. Bye-bye.